Hey there, everybody. Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast to bring you a special movie review. This is a movie review at the request of podcast listener Nicole for her birthday. Yes, I will be covering Ever After, A Cinderella Story. So, this movie came out in 1998. It is over two hours and one minute long. So, okay. And also, I've never seen this before. I, I love Drew Barrymore, one of my favorite actresses, right up there with Kate Winslet, Sandra Bullock. So, in this movie, this version of the Cinderella story, <laughs> the Brothers Grimm arrive at the home of a wealthy grand is it Grande Dame? Grand Dame? Who speaks of the many legends surrounding the fable of the Cinder Girl before telling the quote-unquote true story of her ancestor. Alright. So, there is also another summary. Andy Tennant directed the Cinderella variant. The Brothers Grimm arrive at the home of a wealthy Grand Dame played by Jean or Jeannie Moreau, who speaks of the many legends surrounding the fable of the Cinder Girl before telling the quote-unquote true story of her ancestor. In flashback, the story then focuses on eight-year-old Danielle, daughter of a wealthy widower, a 16th century landowner. After returning to France with his new wife, Rod Rodmilla, played by Angelica Houston, oh boy, <laughs> she always makes me nervous. After seeing her in the movie, The Witches, of course, I was a child when I saw this movie, it scared me. It scared me definitely a lot. I even tried to watch that movie again as an adult, and I'm just like, it creeps me out. The acting is horrendous, and I just, no thank you. But anyway, back to this. And her two daughters, okay, okay. So, Danielle's father dies of a heart attack. Ten years later, Danielle, played by Drew, Bar Drew Barrymore, is now treated as a servant by the trio. Fortunately, she has an encounter with Prince Henry, who's played by, is it Dubre Scott? Uh, who is fleeing an arranged marriage, okay? Later, when Danielle poses as a quote-unquote lady, the prince takes an interest in her. Inventor artist Leonardo da Vinci, Patrick Godfrey... Accepting the French court's patronage offers advice to Prince Henry on matters of the heart. Okay, interesting, interesting. I like it. So, yeah, this movie's got a 7.0 out of 10 based on 74,628 ratings. We got Drew Barrymore playing Danielle. We got Angelica Houston playing Radmila. I'll be able to pronounce it once I hear it. We got Dubray Scott as Prince Henry. We got Patrick Godfrey as Leonardo. We got Megan Dodds as Marguerite. We got Jacqueline played by Melanie Linsky. And I've seen this girl in other things. Sweet Home Alabama, Detroit Rock City probably would have been the first thing I saw this girl in. And she's been in other movies and, and stuff like that. We got King Francis played by Timothy West. We got Judy Parfit. Oh my gosh! She's playing Queen Marie. She plays um, Sister Monica Joan in Call the Midwife. Cool. That is such a good show, by the way. I um, 
I stopped watching after season three because, uh, you know, just Rain, who played Jenny, left the show. So I was, uh, yeah, I really want to get back into it because I think they're like at their 10th or 11th season at this point. But anyway, yes, we have a long, a big, big cast. So directed by Andy Tennant. We got Susanna Grant, the screenplay, one of the writers. Andy Tennant also directed and helped out with the screenplay. Rick Parks, Charles Perrault, and there is a, it says uncredited, and it's got a, basically a painting picture of a man from like, it says 1729 story. Okay, awesome. There's a lot of, there's a bit of, where is the trivia? There it is. Uh, Drew Barrymore has stated that this is her favorite role of all of her films. There's also goofs, user reviews, but I'll get into those once I actually finish covering the movie. So, Alright, let's all wish Nicole a happy birthday. I'm going to start it off. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nicole. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Nicole. I hope your day is awesome. I hope you enjoy the review. So let's get into the movie. All right, we see a carriage pull up outside a home or a building, something with columns. And I like when we see them, the two people going up the stairs. When we go into this room up this set of stairs, it's a nice buttery yellow lighting. It feels very warm and inviting and just, I'm immediately feeling like, oh, I'm comforted. I don't, I don't know what it is about it. It's like, I think even the sunlight, it's just, it's, it, it really does affect your mood. Like even today it was very overcast and cloudy and, you know, rainy and whatnot. It's just, it really, the weather does affect your mood. Oh, yeah, that's right. These are the Brothers Grimm, I believe. Are they the ones that wrote the fairy tales like Red Riding Hoods, Cinderella, stuff like that? So we see a large chair with a woman sitting in it, like really sunken down low. In this, I think it's just the chair is really huge. And this, I don't know whether he's a servant or however, but he says, The Brothers Grimm, Your Majesty. And the lady's voice was like just above a whisper. She says, thank you for coming, gentlemen. So she, this lady, we do actually see her face. She says, I'm sure you're curious as to why some of my age would request the presence or the audience of authors of children's stories. And one of the brothers, Grimm, says, we found your letter most intriguing, madame. And she tells him, like, yes, I find your collection of folktales quite brilliant, actually. But, I mean, she enjoys some of them. However, she has a little bit of criticism for one story in particular, which is, I was a little disturbed when I read your version of The Little Cinder Girl. Okay, which is kind of based on, you know, Cinderella. Gotcha, gotcha. And one of the Brothers Grimm mentions about the fairy godmother and the magic pumpkins being, like, what do you say, Pearl? Somebody thought that that magic pumpkins and fairy godmother would be closer to the truth. And the other brother says, some claim the shoe was made of fur. 
Others insist it were, was glass. So it's like lots of different variations of different interpretations of the story. And the brother says, you know, well, I guess we'll never know. So one of the brothers does ask about this particular painting that we see a shot of, and it definitely does look like Drew Barrymore. <coughs> and they're asking, I was wondering if we might inquire about your painting. The girl in it is very extraordinary and exquisite. So her name was Danielle, and how the way the way she says her name, I can't even pronounce it correctly. Barbarak, something to that effect. And yes, she takes from the Majesty takes from this <coughs> box, this metal box. She says, and this was her glass slipper. Like, oh, it doesn't really look like glass, but it looks like it's made out of some type of shiny. Metal with sequence. And as Her Majesty is looking at this glass slipper, she says, perhaps you will allow me to set the record straight. And one of the brothers says, then it's true, the story. And Her Majesty says, yes, quite. And she says, now, let's see, what, what's that phrase she used? Ah, once upon a time. And that, I think, is going to kick off the story here. And she says, once upon a time, there lived a young girl who loved her father very much. The brothers grim, your majesty. Good day, gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming. I suppose you're wondering why anyone my age would request an audience with the authors of children's stories. And your letter was most intriguing, madam. I find your collection of folktales quite brilliant, actually. Thank you. But I must say, I was terribly disturbed when I read your version of The Little Cinder Girl. Well, those who swear that Perot's telling, uh, with its fairy godmother and um, magic pumpkins, would be closer to the truth. Some claims that shoe was made of fur. Others insist it was glass. Well, I guess we'll never know. Forgive me, Your Majesty. Might I inquire about the painting? She's really quite uh, extraordinary. Her name was Danielle de Barbarac. And this was a glass slipper. That looks painful to skin. Perhaps you will allow me to set the record straight? Then it's true. The story. Yes. Quite. Now then, what is that phrase you use? Oh, yes. Once upon a time, there lived a young girl who loved her father very much. Okay, part of me is, like I said, I've never seen this before. Part of me wonders if that old lady is, in fact, Danielle. I don't know, but that's the basis I'm going to say, like, it could very well be her. That's what I'm, I'm guessing. So, we'll see what happens. So... We see this gorgeous 
sunrise or sunset. And then we see the title of the movie, the title card, Ever After in lilac or lavender font. It's really, really gorgeous. Okay, part of me might kind of say maybe it isn't Danielle, this old lady. Maybe it is, in fact, a relative. She's talking about her ancestors. Like she's actually related to this woman, but maybe they don't find out till the end. So it could be, to me, I'm guessing it's either Danielle or it's like one of her like kids or grandkids at an old age. So we see eight-year-old Danielle. She's adorable, and she's so excited to be getting a, a new mom and two new sisters. Oh my gosh, this is going <laughs> to... I feel bad for her. That's the thing, in the Disney version, which is really the only version of Cinderella I've seen, you know, I have not seen the Brandy and Whitney Houston version, and I... Yeah, like I said, I've never seen this before. But in the Disney movie, her father's there for a split second and then he passes away. And I'm just thinking what we know of the stepmother and the stepsisters. is like, girl, you are in for a rude awakening. And the ladies, the, the helpers that are helping get Danielle dressed, they've known her since she was a baby. You know, and he's a single single dad and everything like that. So I'm really excited to see if maybe we do get to see her and her dad interacting because we did not get that in the cartoon. It's like a one and done. He's there for one second and he's not. Now it's good that, you know, her father will have a woman in his life again to share the responsibility of raising a young girl and, you know, Daniel will have siblings and just, like, hey, be the adorable angel we know that you are. No, like, you know, your table manners. Just make sure they're up to par and everything. Don't act how you normally would act when you eat, like, dinner. Trying to get this kid ready. And she's just like a, a wild bunny just zipping around this room. Like, child, your father arrives any moment. She has got... A really, oh, her bedroom is, if that's her bedroom, it is gorgeous. I love it. So, yeah, she is very much, I get the opinion that she is definitely a tom tomboy. I was going to say tom girl. Uh, and uh, this young boy, Gustav, who's throwing rocks at her open window, if there were glass, where a window would be. He's throwing rocks, they're trying to get her attention, and she says, Gustav, I told you, not today. And he says, you look like a girl. So clearly, yes, she, Daniel is very much a tomboy. Just from how she's act, you know, just being really flighty and zippy and all that stuff, and just, this boy Gustav here confirms, like, you look like a girl, why don't I get you dressed up like that? Of course, Daniel says, that's what I am, half-wit. And he says, yeah, but today you look it. You, like, look like a girl, like a girly girl. So she says, boy or girl, I can still whip you. <laughs> yeah, I can be generous. And he's like, ha, and of course, let me guess, she's gonna run down there and try to beat him in a race, and then that's when the stepmother shows up with, yeah, because it's after, like, she marry he marries, you know, 
Angelica Houston's character, I believe that he probably sadly would pass on. Okay, it looks like we got a carriage on its way here. Does that have uh, Angelica Houston and the two uh, daughters? What are their names? Like uh, Anastasia and Drizella, I think. Unless they go by different names here. So all the servants are lining up like, hey, look lively, look nice. Everyone line up. The master's on his way. Gotta look sharp. Can't look like we're dawdling. Okay, so Danielle's dad was on the horse. And one of the servants is like, oh, I see you brought a baroness. And he says, I brought you an entire household, Maurice. And he's looking around. Oh, but I seem to be missing the daughter. Where is Danielle? Yeah, say I'm not a fan of Angelica Houston's costume. What is this, like, headdress-looking thing she's wearing? I don't like it. Blah. And the kids, the, the two girls, come. they, they uh, come out first of the carriage. <clears throat> and I'm just like, uh, I can only tell they're snooty, snooty, snooties. Snooty, 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 snoots, or whatever. They're stuck up. They didn't even have to say anything. Just the expression on their faces. <sighs> the look that... Angelica Houston's character gives the servants that are standing there. She's like, aren't you gonna, like, stand up straight for me or something like that? Because they all do. They're not all, you know, hunched over. So, I guess Danielle's father's name is Auguste. As she says, oh, it's, it's charming. And then, of course, here comes Danielle. She's covered in mud. Her outfit is just, like, she's been hanging out with the piggies and whatnot. And she's probably... I don't know, down by the pond, or we haven't seen all of this kingdom. We don't know what it all entails, but uh, yeah, she's all like, Ugh. clothes are just dirty. She hadn't even been in those clothes for more than five minutes, and they're already like, Ugh. so she, he, her dad is just cool, but like, uh, oh, look at you, just as I left. <laughs> and he's like, I wager your friend Gustav is around here somewhere, yeah, okay. And she says, no, sir, I slaughtered it. Her whole side of her face has got mud all over it. I hope that's mud. <laughs> I really hope that's mud. <laughs> he is, the, the Gustav is like literally covered head to toe in either horse excrement or, <laughs> or pig excrement or mud. One of the three. And he's like, yeah, he looks at Gustav. Like, yeah, I suppose you did. You were expecting to present a little lady, but... I guess you'll do. I love his relationship with his daughter. It's so cute. Radmila de Ghent, the Baroness. Oh, great. Great, great, great. Uh, Marguerite and Jacqueline. Okay, so we don't get Drizella and Anastasia. I'm sure these, cho these two girls are just as equally horrid as those two girls are. And she... Seems okay enough. Angelica Houston's the Baroness Rodilla or whatever her name is <laughs> says hello, Danielle. At last, me. How long has he been courting this woman? I'm just curious. Like how long? Okay, so she's a Baroness. So does that mean she also comes from money? Because the kids are dressed like really, like they do come from money of sorts. Well, she ran through her what her husband had. He's like, on to the next guy. You'll take care of me and my kids, right? <laughs> so, yeah, she's like, your father speaks of nothing else. Ladies, say hello to your new stepsister. 
And both girls curtsy and say, Mademoiselle, you know, mm. do not, do not, mm -mm. I am not believing those, oh my gosh, these two girls are going to be horrid. I bet we don't get to see them as kids much until all of a sudden it's going to fast forward, like, literally 10 years into the future. Oh, Goose. It's absolutely charming, really. Papa! Oh! Oh, look at you, just as I left. I'll wait till your friend Gustav is around here someplace. No, sir. I slaughtered him. You Something. Well, so you did. I had hoped to present a little lady. Well, I suppose you'll have to do. Danielle, may I present the Baroness Rothney Levigant and her daughters, Marguerite and Jacqueline. Hello, Danielle. At last we meet. Your father speaks of nothing else. Ladies, say hello to your new stepsister. Mademoiselle? So, yes, it's later that evening, and it looks like he brought a book back for Danielle called Utopia, which, according to her, fa her father, means paradise. And he says, you know, as he's flipping through the pages, like, it might be a fifth thick for an eight-year-old, but I mean, I figure we could add it to our library. Oh, my gosh! They read together. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. It's just so sweet. And she asks, will you read some? And he says, oh, honey, it's been a very long day. And Danielle says, and you're a husband now. Yep. You got three other mouths to feed. <laughs> uh, three more reasons to take your attention away from me. <laughs> he says, yes, I'm a husband, but I'm a father first and forever. Aww. Oh, yeah, so it's pretty much just been you and the, uh, you know, the two of them together. He says, we've been two peas in a pod, you and I, for a long time. That's going to be kind of hard to adjust to it, just being the two of them, and then going to having three more people living with you. I mean, I get it, this place is huge, but even still, it's just like, uh, you're sharing your life and your home with three other people. So he tucks her into bed, and he's like, this will take some getting used to, you know, having three more people in the house. And... Danielle is just like, oh, do you see the way they ate their supper? It was like a dance. It's like, they're probably most likely very refined, and they just, you know, you know, uppity royalty, like, a certain way. You're not, like, slurping your soup or whatever. You're sipping it. Uh, yeah. But she's excited about it. I mean, she's, I mean, even when she's like, oh, I get a stepmother and two sisters all one day. So, okay, so he did get me, oh, okay, gotcha. So he asked, you liked him? And she's like, yes, very much. And he says, good, good, because uh, I have to go to someplace. It starts with an A. And he says in a fortnight, which means, what, two weeks later? And she's like, but you just got back. Like, we don't know how long he's been gone. Clearly he got married while he was away. He, at least he let her know, hey, I'm bringing a wife and two stepkids with me. So prepare yourself. He's going to be gone for three weeks. Oh my gosh. That is so long. That's almost a month. I love how they start bargaining. And she's like, one. He says, two. She says, one. Two. Are they going to sit on like two and a half? <laughs> Did they have rock, paper, scissors back then? Because that's what they're playing. <laughs> so yes, uh, <laughs> she wins. 
He's like, all right, one. He was gone for three weeks. <laughs> he was going to settle on two, but he agrees to one week. Can he do that? <laughs> Depending on why he's going to this place. That is, uh, any kid would be envious of the size of this bed. This is like just about the size of a king size bed for an eight year old kid. Wow. Topia. It means paradise. Maybe a bit thick for an eight year old, but I thought we could add it to our library. Will you read some? It's been a very long day. We'll just read a page. And you are a husband now. <laughs> Yes, my husband. But a father, first and forever. We've been two peas in a pot, you and I, for a long time. I suppose this will take some getting used to. Did you see the way they ate their supper? <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. <clears throat> like a dance. You like them? Very much. Good. Good. Because I have to go to Avignon in a fortnight. Mm -hmm. But you just got back. I know. For how long? Only three weeks. One. Two. One. Two. <laughs> All right. One. Come on. Sleep. Kiss. Sleep tight. So he comes out. He's ready to go. And he, he starts kind of chuckling. Oh, I've never seen so many gloomy faces. I'll be back in a week. Everyone's like morose and sad. And um, Rudmila says, I don't like that name. She says, then go. The sooner you get back, the sooner we can celebrate your, your return. And he says, Perhaps by then the three of you will know each other better. Well, maybe. Are the girls, like, a smidge older than Danielle by a year or so? So, her father bends down to face Danielle and says, Hey, uh, I'm counting on you to teach them the ropes around here, alright? And he says the Baroness isn't used to getting her hands dirty. Well, of course she isn't. This guy, for, I thought he was having a stroke when he got up on that horse. When he was looking at his hand, his hand was shaking. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's going to have a heart attack. Oh my gosh, he's having a stroke. Oh my gosh, oh, this is not spelled well. My guess is he's going to pass before he gets to where he needs to be. And my other guess is going to be that when this does happen, like all those servants, majority of them, will be probably fired or let go or... Wasn't that kind of the same thing? I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen so many gloomy faces around here. I shall be back in a week. Then go. The sooner you leave, the sooner we can celebrate your return. Oh, I don't like this lady. Perhaps like by then the three of you will have got to know each other better. Huh? I'm counting on you to teach them the ropes around here. The Baroness isn't used to getting her hands dirty. Not surprised. Yeah, something's wrong. Thank you, boys. Safe journey, master. Oh 
my gosh. I just had a thought. What if this lady poison? Oh my gosh. What if this is a thing? This lady's like the Black Widow. Not the Marvel character. No. The, like, someone who marries and then kills their husband, takes all their money. Oh my gosh. What if she did that with the husband she had before and then she's like moving on to this guy and then kills him and then runs for his money and then goes and marries some another person and does the same thing. Oh my god. I bet. Oh my gosh. If that is a reveal later. Because I mean the way I mean just the way that his hand was shaking like something happened. I think that she poisoned him. I wouldn't put it past this woman. <laughs> the thing is that girl, the actress Melanie something or other that plays like um, Marguerite or Jacqueline or one of the two, uh, the, not the blonde, but the brunette one. I'm like, that girl is too, I've seen her in other things. She is too nice and too sweet to play a character that's just, just like, um, you know, Anastasia and Drizella would be. So, oh, yeah, this lady's so quick to dismiss, like, okay, ladies, back to your lessons as uh, Rodilla and her two daughters turn to go inside. And Danielle says, wait, it's tradition. He always waves at the gate. Oh, my gosh, is he going to pass away before he waves? <gasps> oh, my gosh, I hope not. She does not. Oh my gosh, she poisoned him. She poisoned him. She just rolls her eyes like, I could care less what he does. Bye. And Danielle runs to see her father wave at the gate. And he's still riding away. Oh my gosh, is he going to fall off his horse? Oh my gosh. He does. He starts like grabbing his chest like, oh, oh. And then he slides sideways and falls off his horse. She poisoned him. She poisoned him. She did. She had to have. This, my guy, that guy looks in, like fine health. There's nothing wrong with that man. I don't think there is. I mean, he's not like severely overweight or anything. And I'm just like, and he's not old. She, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I bet that's going to be the reveal. Oh my gosh. She runs to him. Just, Papa, Papa. I'm like, oh, my heart is breaking for her. Her dad is dead. Even the staff who's standing there waiting, they're just literally just as shocked. Yeah, oh my god, yes. You saw her. She was just in the doorway. So yes, she poisoned him. Because that Radilla lady, she was in the doorway. She was just inside the doorway. And the way that she turned and looked, like that is fake shock. It's like she had to remember, like, oh, I have to pretend to be shocked and scared and upset. All the staff and Rodilla is like so far behind the staff that is running ahead to him. Why does when he she turns him over and he looks at her, it's almost like he has a look of sh shock and be like betrayal. Like why would you do? He does. It really does look like that look on his face. He looks at her like he doesn't even really know her. He's seeing her clearly for the first time. Yeah, she. He does. He looks at her. Almost like a why would you do this to me type of thing. As he turns to Danielle and cups her face with his gloved hand and says, I love you. I love you. And the look of fake hurt 
or what's the other word I'm looking for? Even maybe jealousy of Radilla when she looks at Danielle and he is like facing Danielle and saying, I love you, I love you, you know, before he passes. It's like, yes, it looks like he clearly knows, like, you did something. You put something in my drink or my food. Yeah. Yeah, with that, he closes his eyes and he's gone. Like, whatever she put in there, that poison or whatever it was, that was clearly really fast act. Uh, Like, it, like, affected him very quickly. Goss, her, her, she's just, she's fake in this performance that she's given. Not the actress, no, but the the character is just, this is all fake. This is just for show, to show that she is, like, oh my gosh, my husband's dead, don't leave me here. Yeah, and I don't really want to play the clip because it's just sad, and I don't want to bum me all out. She's like, yeah, she's like looking up at like the servants that are like, like, oh, is everyone watching? You cannot leave me here. Like, oh my god, lady, stop. Okay, just stop. Nobody's buying this. Least of all me. So the two housemaids are trying to pull Danielle off her father, and she's like, leave me, leave me. Like, I need to be with my papa. And they kind of let her, you know, stay with her dad. And she's like, Papa, please come back. And the lady from the beginning, her majesty, says it would be ten years before another man would would enter her life. Ten grueling, sad, just horrifying years. Oh my god. Oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for what? Oh my goodness. It would be ten years before another man would enter her life. A man who was still a boy in many, many ways. So, and uh, yeah, that's what the Her Majesty says. And the boy, the the man was still a boy in many, many ways. And then we see Prince Henry's father, who says, "I signed a treaty with Spain, and that boy will obey me." I, it's like a marriage treaty or something. He says, that boy will obey me or there will be hell to pay. And he says, no, this one person says, but he does not love her, my lord. And of course he says, that's not about love. And someone said, well, perhaps it should be. And yeah, he says, if he's to become king, he must accept his responsibilities. And yeah, is that Monica Joan from Call the Midwife? She's a sapling cannot grow in the shadow of a mighty oak, Francis. That is Monica Joan from Call the Midwife. I, I recognize the voice. And she says, he needs sunlight. He needs, uh, oh, pff, the father's like, he needs a good whipping. No, he does not. He does not. You do not touch that boy. You don't lay a hand on his head unless it's in love and comfort. Oh, look who we see scaling the side of the castle wall. <laughs> is that Henry? Is that Prince Henry? <laughs> And you see, I'm just going to call her Monica Joan. You see her say, Kim, really, Francis, can't this wait till morning? And he says, if I can't sleep, neither shall he. So he's like, Henry, wake up. And uh, yeah, we see an open window. We see the bed sheets that have been turned into a rope, basically, to climb down. Apparently, it's not the first time he's done this because Monica Joan is all like, oh, not again. I don't know what her name is. I'm just calling her Monica Joan. MJ. (laughs) 
So we see him riding away on a horse, and we hear his father Francis say, Call out the guard! Bring him back! Oh my god, for a second I thought that was someone's big beer gut belly, but it turns out it's just the blanket. Then I see the book Utopia. I'm like, oh, does someone else have a copy of this book? No, it's Danielle. She's sleeping. I'm like, oh god, it just looked like someone, I thought someone was like, like, like the, a big like pale white beer gut. I'm like, whose big naked belly is that? And it's not, it's a blanket. And the thing is, Utopia, that was, and it does look well-worn. You know, it's been 10 years. It's the only connection she really still has left of her dad. So. Where is she sleeping? She's like, there's like a, like a fireplace with like hot coals nearby. It's not like she's sleeping in that comfortable, comfortable, like almost king-size bed. What happened to that room? Why is she having to resort to sleeping on wherever she's at? In a basement somewhere? Is she in the barn? Seriously? And this is a barn, isn't it? Because I hear a rooster nearby. And she's sleeping on, like, there's, like, straw or, like, hay underneath this, like, horse blanket that she's laying on top of. This is horrible. This is horrible. I hate this. I really hate this for her. And she's, she's been doing this now for 10 years. It's longer than she was has been on this earth. She was 8 when the movie started. So she's like tossing food to the... Those are some long-haired pigs. At first I thought they were like another type of animal. But they're like really like heavy, thick, wooled type pigs. That have a lot of like fur, like dog hair fur on them. I, usually when I think of a pig, I think of like thin, fine hairs. On a pig. I didn't do 4-H, but the pigs that my sister had, you know, used for 4-H and everything, I would look at like, yeah, they had like thin, light, you know, hairs on them. They're not like thick masses of like dog hair on their bodies. So... Danielle is in an apple orchard looking for apple drops, just trying to find ones that don't have worms in them, that aren't rotten, maybe to make a pie, make breakfast for her stepmother and stepsisters, and we hear horses galloping nearby and a lot of noise going on. Is that the cavalry? Who are they? Oh, are those the people out, like, looking for, it's like a search party looking for Prince Henry. So clearly does not watch where he's going. He's like, come on, to us, yelling at his horse. Like, you know, the horse will do what you need it to do. You don't need to call it insulting names. I'm surprised it doesn't throw you from its back. So Danielle has her apron, like, filled with apple drops that hopefully aren't rotten. They're not rotten. They don't have worms in them or anything like that. So he's going through their property. He's like riding his horse through their property. And because she's like, oh, no, you don't. Well, she's spilling those apples. There will be no apple pie. Okay. She's spilling those apples. There will be no apple pie for anyone in that home. Well, why would she want to? I mean, come on. Well, she's got a good aim. She, like, takes an apple and, like, literally whacks him off that horse. And he falls backwards. Well deserved. You don't insult a horse and expect it to do what you need it to do. Oh 
Oh my gosh, he stole her father's horse. That horse is still alive 10 years later. Wow. I can't remember how long horses live, like 30, 40 years. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he's like, so, so he, mine slipped his shoe. I had no choice. You had no choice, really. You had no choice to take someone else's horse just because he's like the prince. Like, no, no, no. That's not how that works. Throwing apples at him. And she says, and our choice is what? To let you? And he says, I was borrowing it. Yes, borrowing with the intention to give the horse back at some point. How are you going to explain? Oh, yeah, your horse, like, took off. I found it somewhere. There you go. Yeah, right. And she's yelling at him and just chucking apples at his face. Just saying, get out or I'll wake the house. Like, I'll wake everyone up and have you, like, thrown in jail or something. You don't even see this guy's face until he falls down. And then his hood falls back and his face is exposed. She knows who he is. Do we ever see Gustav again? I'm kind of curious. So she right away gets down on her knees and hands and says, Forgive me, your highness. Your highness, I did not see you. Of course, she's like, yeah, your aim would suggest otherwise. Oh, she didn't know who you were. You had a hood up. You had your hood up. You think she's going to recognize your voice? She's to death because she hit the prince with an apple several times in the head. And she says, and for that, I must die. Like, no, sweetie, no. You're not going to die. And <laughs> he's like, uh, he, he gets ready to get on the horse. He says, uh, then speak of this to no one and I shall be lenient. <laughs> like, yeah, don't say anything to anyone. I wasn't here. I didn't take your horse. I'll give him, I'll let him loose when I'm done with him. It, no one saw anything. All right, thanks. So... She says, we have other horses, your highness. Younger, if you wi if that is your wish. Yeah, it's like, that's her dad's horse. He died on that horse. Oh, and that's a, that horse is also, aside from that Utopia book, that horse is like the last piece of that she has of her dad. So he says, I wish to be free of my gilded cage. So basically he's talking about, this feels like an Aladdin Princess Jasmine deal where she runs away from the kingdom like, hey, I need a break, all these rules, I just, I can't. And then, yeah, again with the Princess Jasmine thing where she was also being forced to marry someone, a suitor that her father picked out for her, probably as like a meeting of two countries, like, hey, let's put our two children together, that way... We are related through marriage. We shouldn't, you know, well, all that stuff. And that that feels like kind of what this is going. Because, like, I signed a treaty with Spain. He has to marry this girl. There's no other way. I signed, like, it's a done deal. It's happening. Whether he wants it or whether she wants it. Oh, my gosh. you imagine? Can you imagine having to go through an arranged marriage like that? Like, ugh. Someone's deciding your future before you even get a say in what you want. He... Tosses out coins from a little uh, leather silk, like, drawstring bag. And he says, oh, here for your silence. <sighs> Just take another horse. Man, the horse means a lot to her. It was her dad's horse. He doesn't care. He just leaves. Like, bye. Yeah! Oh, no, you don't. Please, my owner slipped his shoe and I have no choice. And our choice is what? Wait! 
Get out! Oh, wait, the house! Ow! Forgive me, Your Highness, I did not see you. Your aim would suggest otherwise. Yes. And for that, I know I must die. You're not gonna die. I'm not gonna die. Uh, then, uh, then speak of this to no one, and, uh, and I shall be lenient. We have other horses, Highness. Younger, if that is your wish. I wish for nothing more than to be free of my gilded cage. For your silence. Okay, this is, I don't know, whichever one, Margaret Reach or Jacqueline or whoever, the blonde, this is the blonde one. She says, I asked for four minute eggs, not four one minute eggs. <sighs> My gosh, girl. This is <laughs> rich white girl problems. This is just insane. Did they keep the servants, but they're just, oh my god, they're really, where is our bread? Where's our bread? Like, I can tell you what you can do with your bread, girl. I'm gonna stuff it down your throat. Oh, that lady's had enough. She's like, ugh, I've been here for ten years too long. I, w I would have quit I, if, if, after he died. I would have like, I'm done, I'm gone, I'm not working for you, lady. And she says, it's just coming out of the oven, my lady. Okay, Marguerite. Marguerite, or whatever her name is. So she's like, what do I always say about that tone? Of course, here comes Jacqueline with, A lady of breeding ought never raise her voice. A lady should never raise her voice above the gentle hum of a whispering wind. Ugh. Oh my gosh, she is just like, Jacqueline, dear, do not speak unless you can improve the silence. What? No, you're banging on Jacqueline? Ugh. And Jacqueline's like, oh, well. No, Mar Marguerite's all like, I was not, I was not shrill. I was blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. What was this? Hate on Jacqueline Day? It's basically, whatever, Rodilla, I don't know. I've forgotten her name already. Oh, yeah, yeah. Angelica Houston. I'm just calling her that. Says, yeah, your attitude is not going to fly in the royal court. And, of course, Marguerite's all like, I'm not going to the royal court, am I, mother? Not with that attitude. And I don't think you'd be a good fit. Yeah, and then she's like, oh, except that some Spanish pig they have the nerve to call a prince. Girl, shut your hole. Shut it. And Angelica Houston says... Darling, nothing is final until you're dead, and even then, I'm sure God negotiates. And you don't know God very well. Don't think he'd think kindly to you poisoning husband number two. Like, you know they do make hard-boiled eggs just in the back. Oh, they don't have those yet like that. Sorry. Yeah, I guess you're stuck with having to take the shell off. Isn't there a thing now that you can actually, like, that easily removes the shell? I don't know. They didn't, whatever it is, they didn't have it back whenever this <laughs> time period existed. Oh, yes, the salt. We can't live without the salt, can we? Heaven forbid. Talk about shrill. Woo! Why is there no salt on this table? And she yells, Danielle! <laughs> no, I'm going to play this because it's just like shrill, shrieking. My ears are popping. 
is there no salt on this table? Then you coming. She's in one of her moods. Did the sun rise in the east? Yes, Louise, it did. And it is going to be a beautiful day. Oh, look at all those feathers. Child, where did you get this? From an angel of mercy. And I know just what to do with them. Maurice? If the Baroness can sell your husband to pay her taxes, then these can certainly bring him home. The court will have to let him go. But the king has sold him to Karchi. He's bound for the Americas. This is our home, and I will not see it fall apart. You're waiting. Oh, take aid, mistress. All these coins are as good as hers. Wow. Just, oh my goodness sake. We just learned a bit here. Uh, Maurice was one of those ladies' husbands, you know, the ones that were helping Danielle when she was a girl and helping her get dressed and all that. So they really have, you know, grown, grown, you know, they're her protectors. They're her. But anyway, she's got the coins. Like, doesn't matter. An angel of mercy dropped them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the fine deeds. So, look. She, Radmilla, sold your husband to pay for taxes. How do you, oh my god. So she's like, look, we can buy him back. We got the coin. Let's do that. And of course, the other lady's like, yeah, but he's been so, so and so. He's going to be sent to the Americas. He's going to go to America, whatever America was in 17, whatever centuries. <laughs> and, and he's just like, oh my goodness. And Daniel, he says, this place is not going to fall apart. I'm not going to let it. This is my home. This is my father's home. This is everything I have. We're not going to let it just go down the tubes because Rob Millet and her two... Well, Jacqueline is not bad. Not anywhere close to what Mar Marguerite is. She's just insane. Now, granted, I'm going to say these two girls are nowhere near a, a nearly atrocious and dog ugly um, as Anastasia and Drizella. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, Jacqueline, like, we, but we haven't, we just saw them as like 10 years older, so, but I don't know. Jacqueline, she's got a, she's got a, a softness about her that I don't think she's nearly, she's not bad as Rudmilla and, you know, Mar Marguerite. Look how much sweet. Um, uh, but uh, Jacqueline is just she's like hello and she's so sweet she's so sweet and she's bringing in the stuff Red Miller you know um, Marguerite I hope you all slept well I'm sure you did since I've been sleeping in the barn because one of you took over my room so of course Red Miller doesn't care to hear about whatever excuse like oh what kept you why wasn't the salt on the table when it should have been oh um yeah I fell off the ladder in the orchard but hey I'm better now good Okay, yeah, she don't care. Rod Miller don't care. <laughs> like, oh, you're alive. That's all that matters to me, that you can bring me my salt when I need it, because heaven forbid I have a hard-boiled egg without salt. Morning, madame. Marguerite. Jacqueline. Hello. Oh, Jacqueline. I trust you slept well. What kept you? I fell off the ladder in the orchard, but I am better. Someone's been reading in the fireplace again. Look at you, ash and soot everywhere. 
Some people need any they cannot keep to themselves. Why don't you sleep with the pigs, Cinder Soot, if you insist on smelling that one? Cinder Soot. That was harsh, Marguerite. Yeah, really. Girl. Danielle, come here, child. What? Your appearance does reflect a certain crudeness. She's gorgeous. Shut up. What can I do to make you try? I do try, stepmother. I do wish to please you. But you're never satisfied. Sometimes I sit on my own and try to think of what else I could do. How I should act. Oh, calm down, child. Relax. Perhaps if we brought back Maurice, I would not offend you so. It is your manner that offends, Danielle. Throughout these hard times, I have sheltered you, clothed you, and cared for you. Oh, all that scared. I ask in return is that you help me here without complaint. You hear her complaining at all? That's such an extraordinary request. No more, lady. Very well. We should have no more talk of servants coming back. Is that quite understood? Yes, my lady. After all that I do, you do nothing. All I have done. You haven't done anything. You killed never another. Oh my! She doesn't look bad. It's like oh, someone was reading by the fireplace again. You're covered in soot and dirt. And like oh, if you insist on being sleeping with the pigs or whatever, you should like because you smell like what like. Uh, even, even Radella is all, or whatever the heck her name is, is all like, oh, well, that's rude. Like, you don't have to be like that. And then she's like, all like, oh my gosh, what can I do to make you more, you know, be here on time and do what you need to do and this and that. And no, we're not bringing Maurice back. Okay, please don't ask me again. And it's just like, what is your deal? It's like, oh my gosh, everything I do and blah, 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 blah. And, blah. Uh, and, and the, the fact that. Yeah, all Cinderella, she's trying to do is just please her. Like, I'm doing exactly what you ask. And she's even thinking, like, sometimes I think of ways that I can make you like me more. And she's like, oh, child, relax. Don't don't stress out. We don't need to hear your problems. Uh, we have our own. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my gosh. This girl's, like, bending over backwards to, to please the stepmother and her, I'm just going to say bratty stepsister because, um... Jack, Jacqueline is, she's cool, she ain't, she even is like, oh my gosh, seriously, mother, you're talking about the eggs being cold, oh my gosh, stop with that nonsense. Is she drinking out of that cup, it's like a yellow cup, Jacqueline's drinking like, at first I'm like, is that, is she drinking pop, is she drinking Coca-Cola or Pepsi or something, because it looked like it had ice in the bottle, I don't know what she's drinking, they didn't have that stuff back then. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. So Prince Henry, he's like riding through the forest on the horse that he stole. And this caravan is being raided. Like, hey, please, I beg you, please leave us alone. There's nothing there. What are you doing? We have literally nothing but our horses and our carriages that have, like, nothing but our clothes, which I don't think you'll be into anyway. Pots and pans. What are we going to do with the pots and pans? Sell them? So we see Prince Henry's got a bruise in between his eyebrows there, and he sees over his shoulder. Well, there's nothing he can do to really help this situation with the caravan being robbed. But he looks over his shoulder, and of course, the um, his father sent out his guards to you know his watch search party for him. Like, oh, really? Are you serious about this? Ugh. Can I have like a day? Just give me a day. 
You can't give me a day? <sighs> okay. Is this Leo? Is this Leonardo? Is this Da Vinci? He's like, no, the painting, you can't take the painting. It's like, come on, the painting is going to not be worth anything to those people. They're not going to appreciate it. Whatever the painting is. So it's like, oh my gosh, sir, the painting, he's getting away, this man. And Prince Henry says, the guard will assist you, I cannot. Oh, he's explaining it, like, Prince Henry, like, hey, look, please, it's, it's my life. It's my life's work. I spent my whole majority of my life working on that painting. If it's gone, I have nothing left to give. He's really, Prince Henry is like really rolling his eyes internally. <sighs> really? You're like, are you sure about this? This is your life's work? That The painting means that much to you? <sighs> okay. I'll try. I'll try. I'll, I'll try to try, but I can't promise you anything. What's this guy wearing a shower cap on his head? Or like a swimming cap? The guy with the white beard, the paint, the Leo, the Da Vinci guy. Why does this guy want this painting so badly? There's gotta be a reason behind it. Ah, so Prince Henry is like chasing after this guy on his horse, and who's got the painting. And at first, I think is could this possibly be Gustav? You know, uh, Daniel's friend from childhood. And they're going and they're tumbling through like leaves, and all of a sudden it's like there's. They're going down this hill of like leaves, fallen leaves. Also, it's like the it, it there's a cliff. They're falling off a cliff. And I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like the floor, the force like just bottomed out, and boom! It's like there's a cliff. They're like, oh my gosh, they're gonna die. They're not gonna die. Ooh, a river, a, a creek. I think it's a river. It could be. Oh my gosh, they're gonna like go over like a waterfall. They might. Okay, so I don't know where this. Possibly, maybe Gustav, maybe not. I don't know where he went, but um, he's gone. But Prince Henry does have the. It's like one of those things like architects use when they have like blueprints and they want to keep them safe, like some type of a like rounded like tube type of thing. Okay, so now we got Marguerite here, or Marguerite, or whatever her name, however you want to say it. She's like. They're like, at, what is it called? Like a bazaar, a flea market, some type of uh, marketplace, shopping, probably running through Danielle's father's money. Probably already did run through it. Apparently this jewelry or whatever brooch of some kind with, ju with pearls on it. It's like, oh no, it's too small. It needs to draw attention. <sighs> if you need to have jewelry to draw attention to you yourself then there's something seriously wrong and you need to re-examine your life. Of course, he kind of made this guy makes a joke like, <laughs> oh, uh, Baroness, I'm sure like anything larger would make her fall over. And then, of course, she says, well, perhaps you're right. I shall have to look elsewhere. What is it? You know, the young girl who played, you know, Jacqueline was, I mean, when they were kids, Marguerite was like like stick thin and then we had you know Jack Jack um Jacqueline who was you know a, a little heavier not by much not really but she's sitting there she's standing there like off to the side like popping like a 
like a cookie or a some like donut type thing in her mouth, which there's nothing wrong with that. She's a sweetheart. I absolutely adore her. And I just was just like <sighs> You're <ugh>. Okay, so <laughs> He says, Oh no no, don't go. I have just the thing. And then before we can see what that thing is, we go to okay, this has to be Gustav, right? This has to be him. Because he's kind of dressed, and he's got the same type of hair that Gustav did ten years prior when he was eight. And, yeah, he's going to her and say, uh, to Danielle and says, Hey, do you know what the punishment is for servants who dress above their station? Five days in the stocks. Oh, is that, oh, is that the thing where you're like, the thing that's got the armholes and the head hole, and you're like there, and you're like stand, like hunched over? Is that what that is? I don't know. So, yeah, she says, hey, admit it. You do the same for me. And he's like, yeah, sure. Being a, what do you say, a courtier or whatever that is? Like a, it's a noble person, like Prince of Rome, like some nobleman when I've never been to court. Oh, okay. And he's like, you haven't ever been to court either. And she says, then I won't be recognized. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I think, yeah, she is going to try to rescue Maurice before he gets shipped off. That's what I'm thinking. That's why she's like, hand me that dress, that fancy dress. And he's like, they're never going to buy it, you know. They're never going to think you're one of them. You're never going to be able to slip in unattended. And he says, you're too sweet. They're never going to believe that you're not a servant. And she says, yeah, well, they won't believe I'm a servant if, servant if I have 20 francs on me. And she says, I'm... I am Maurice's, Maurice's only hope. I have to get him out. So, yeah. She's like, oh, do you still see the Baroness? Like, oh, he's keeping watch, just making sure she's there. And he's like, oh, well, what did you tell her? And Daniel says, I'm picking wildflowers. And then she's saying about how she, uh, the Baroness ignores the manor, the home. She blames us for her debt. And she still pretends to have money to burn, which she clearly does not. And she tells him, don't you dare laugh. I'm coming out. Like, oh yeah, when he was like, oh my gosh, you look like a girl. She looks absolutely gorgeous. I, I honestly, as much as I love Drew Barrymore with blonde hair, she looks really good as a brunette, like a reddish blonde. Yeah, really, really. And this is like the same hair type she had in um, Riding in Cars with Boys. It was the same kind of reddish brownish hair. And, of course, she's like, well, the shoes are too big. And he, when he sees her, he has this big smile on his face like he's seen her for the first time. And he says, you know, don't worry about it. No one's going to be looking at your feet anyway, all right? He says, oh, yards of fabric on me and I still feel naked. Well, because you're not used to dressing like that. She had to use the word naked in front of her best friend. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys do realize you're 18, right? He is going to see you. And, I mean, even though they're best friends, but they are 18, and they have kind of, like, yeah, he's going to see her as a girl girl. He instructs her, like, hey, if you're going to play a noble woman, you need to not just look the part, but you need to act the part. You look down to nobody. Your head's held high the whole time. You don't, like, apologize for anything. Like, you might look it, but you need to also act it. And... Danielle, poor, poor girl with the poor self-esteem, says, I am just a servant in a nice dress. No, girl, you are not a servant. You are a beautiful young woman who deserves to be seen and heard. 
He's like, come on, we got to do something with the hair. Let's go. We can't just have it hanging down like it is. All right, looks like Prince Henry did find the painting, and he hopefully brings it back to Mr. Da Vinci. This guy knows it's Prince Henry, and he's like, hey, you promised that you wouldn't go off and get hurt or whatever. You stick to your home and whatnot, not just wander off. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like, I wanted to see the world before I gave up my life to God and country, like, before I had to sit on the throne and have, basically not have a life. It's like, I want a little freedom. Who, who wouldn't want freedom? Yes, he lacks conviction, because Da Vinci's like, why did you stop looking for freedom and want it? Like, eh, I'm not a fan of confrontation, if I don't have to be. Who is, right? Yeah. And he's kind of calling uh, Da Vinci out. I'm like, hey, you said that this was a matter of life and death. This better have been. I just went over a cliff into water. And my back is going to be killing me for days. <laughs> and Da Vinci says, a woman always. A woman always is. Like, oh, oh. Is this the Mona Lisa? Did he paint the Mona Lisa? Bake of the It is Mona Lisa. in Not in the flesh, but on the uh the pa the painting so prince henry says it looks like she's laughing about a secret that or like she knows something that i don't and da vinci says that uh women are f full of secrets i merely painted one of them and th one of the uh guys on the horses who belongs to you know one of the guards at the uh the palace says that Signor Da Vinci has been invited to the palace as the artist in residence. Yeah, cool. And of course, Prince Henry says, Leonardo Da Vinci? And he says how, Da Vinci says how Michelangelo was trapped under a ceiling in Rome. Oh, the Sistine Chapel. I would say it says the 16th Chapel, but no. Da Vinci says he was pretty much the second choice. Like, oh, Michelangelo wasn't available because he was, like, under a ceiling painting. So they went <laughs> with me. And, of course, Prince Henry has heard of him, of Da Vinci. He's like, oh, my gosh. Hurry, I'm on my way to Genoa. And I found salvation on the highway. Oh, my gosh. It's like, I am your biggest fan. Seriously. Uh, and he tells him... Prince Henry said, grips Da Vinci by the shoulders and says, you are the founder of forward thinking and my father is the king of backward. Well, this is the 16th century, not the 17th. I can't tell the difference. He says, hey, perhaps you could talk to him in the 16th century. Dude, nobody could talk to your father in the 16th century. <laughs> and even, he's like, Captain Loren, can you translate what this guy's saying to me? And, of course, um... Laurent says, Prince Henry suffers from an arranged marriage, senor, among other things. Okay, so he's on a different horse now. Where is Danielle's father's horse? Did he set him free? Did he let him go? What happened? So, oh, Prince Henry rolls up at uh, Danielle's place. And here comes Rodella, or whatever. And she's all bowing before him. And this guy is like, he ain't buying what you're selling. He is not buying what you're selling. This false modesty, this false act that you're throwing out. Uh, so she asks, like, what do we owe to this great honor? And he says, oh, yeah, I'm returning your horse, Baroness. 
Okay, so he is recovering. Okay, the answer is my question. He's like, oh, was it missing? I didn't know. He's like, yeah, I took the liberty of borrowing it earlier, so I'm returning your horse. So he says, I'm sorry, I probably scared the wits out of one of your servants. A lady with a really good arm, actually. So he's rubbing the bruise between his eyebrows. So, <laughs> yeah, he actually had a conversation with her. So you say, oh, she's easy mute to my lord. And he's like, really? Because, uh, yeah, she was shouting some stuff at me. So, yeah. She spoke quite forcefully. <sighs> she only comes and goes. Shut, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. So here come Marguerite and Jacqueline. And they're like shoving each other out the door to get a glimpse of the prince. Yeah, and he sees what this is. He's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. I just returned your horse, okay? I don't need to be set up. I'm already pulled into an arranged marriage, which I want nothing to do with. Marguerite's Francoise of the house, Louise of the house of Ghent, and Jacqueline, so she doesn't have a title apparently. Are these girls even like half-sisters or not even a relation of any way? I don't know. Yes, these are the other two stepdaughters for my other marriages of, you know, uh, men that I poisoned. <sighs> I bet, I bet, I would not be surprised. He is not impressed. Like, oh, lady, forgive me. You must have blossomed overnight. He's like rolling his eyes, gritting his teeth while he's getting these lines out. Like, so, yeah, she's really thrown on. Oh, we can't wait to celebrate your engagement with your Spanish whatever. And he's like, yeah, well, there have been some new developments as of late with regards to Spain. So I don't know if that's actually going to, anything's going to come of it. So he notices... Marguerite's brooch. She's like, oh, I'd say that brooch is stunning. And she's like, oh, this old thing? Stop petting that horse. The horse doesn't like you either, Rodmilla. He's like, oh, I trust these arrangements are for the But he is really, dude, you don't need to sit there anymore. You're sure the horse. Just go. Ugh. And he says, let us hope so. Yeah. Good day, ladies. Like, he can't get out of there fast enough. Okay, so Danielle is going to the castle to what plead her case with Maurice would be my guess. So she sees that guy looks like Duncan from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Is that Maurice? Because he's getting into like a, a, a cage type of thing that's sending prisoners away. Like a cage thing that's like being pulled on a cart with a horse. She even notices, like, she is, like, just breathe, just breathe. So she, she says, Lord, give me strength. Because she is, she's running out of time. You, like, you need to act fast. And she goes right up to the horse and says, I wish to raise the issue of this gentleman. He is my servant and I am here to pay the debt against him. I, the guy pulling the cart says, oh, you're too late. He's been bought and paid for. This is horrible. This is beyond horrible. And she looks at him and says, I can pay as she holds up the little, um, little bag thing. She says, I can pay you 20 francs. And the guy, this guy's like, you can have me for 20 francs. Drive on. Like, let's go. Let's go. And she, like, grabs the rein of the reins of the horse and says, I demand you release him at once or I shall take this matter to the king. Yeah, and he says, oh, the king is the one who sold him. He is now the property of, what do you say, courtier or something? And Daniel says, he is not property at all, you ill-mannered tub of guts. She is really, like, getting in that guy's face, like, 
You you think it's right to treat people like chattel? I demand you release him at once. Her, like right in her face, like get out of my way. So Prince Henry gets there and he's like, "How dare you raise your voice to a lady, sir?" What like what, dude? What's your deal? So I wonder if he recognizes Danielle because the guy's all smirking. Like, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry, meant no disrespect. I'm following orders. It's my job to take these thieves to the coast. And Danielle says, "A servant is not a thief, your highness, and those who are cannot help themselves." And he's like, oh, really? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, with the whole him taking her horse. He's like, oh, really? By all means, enlighten us. He's basically giving a speech here. She says, if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy, then you punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them. She says, she asks, what else is to be concluded, sire? But that you first make thieves and then punish them. And these ladies all be kind of look on like, huh, you know, she may have a point there. And Prince Henry says, alright, well, there you have it. Release him. And, but sire, and Prince Henry says, release him now. And he gets out, Maurice gets out, and he says, I thought I was looking at your mother. Is that... Is that the guy who plays Duncan? I'll have to look that up. And she tells him, meet me at the bridge. And he's, she tells him, prepare the horses. We will leave at once. Da Vinci is really taken by her honesty and just her forthrightness and everything like that. Did he, is Da Vinci finding his next muse, maybe? You dare raise your voice to a lady, sir? Your Highness. <laughs> Forgive me, sire. Uh, I meant no disrespect, uh, it's just, uh, I'm following orders here. My job to take these criminals and thieves to the coast. A servant is not a thief, your highness, and those who are cannot help themselves. Really? Well then, by all means, enlighten us. If you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy, and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them. What else is to be concluded, sire, but that she first make thieves and then punish them? Well, there you have it. Release him. But, sire... I said, release him. Yes, sire. <laughs> I was looking at your mother. Meet me at the bridge. Prepare the horses. We will leave at once. I thank you, Your Highness. Have we met? I do not believe so, Your Highness. I could have sworn I knew every courtier in the province. Well, I am visiting a cousin. Who? My cousin. Yes, you said that. Which one? <laughs> yeah, really. The only one I have, sire. Are you calling on purpose, or do you honestly refuse to tell me your name? No. And yes. Well, then pray. <coughs> Tell me your cousin's name so that I might call upon her to learn who you are. 
For anyone who can quote Thomas More is well worth the effort. The prince has read Utopia. I found it sentimental and dull. I confess the plight of the everyday rustic bores me. I gather you do not converse with many peasants. <laughs> Certainly not, no. Naturally. Excuse me, sire, but there is nothing natural about it. A country's character is defined by its everyday rustics, as you call them. They are the legs you stand on, and that position demands respect. Not... Am I to understand that you find me arrogant? Well, you gave one man back his life, but did you even glance at the others? Please, I beg of you. A name. Any name. I fear that the only name to leave you with is Comtesse Nicole de Lancre. Is that her mother's name? There now. That wasn't so hard. Okay, so, yeah, it's very interesting. He does not recognize her, even the sound of her voice. I mean, really, it's not like she's wearing anything distracting on her head. She's not dressed like she was when he first met her and everything like that. And she didn't, it's not like she had mud all over her face or anything like that. But, yeah, he's read that book, Utopia, and she's calling him out because, you know, he's like, oh, I find this life... Oh, to be rustic and dull and she's kind of calling him out like yeah but even still you know you still live by these rules and how you treat people and everything that reflects the, the type of person you are and how you kind of run things here and whatnot and she even says because at first I'm thinking yeah she rescued um Maurice but what about the other ones and she even says to him it's like yeah you saved one man's life but did you even glance at the others so, and of course, she won't give him a name at first. She's like, oh, I'm here to visit my cousin. He's like, oh, yeah, what's her name so I can call on you? And she's like, yeah, my cousin. He's like, yeah, you said that already. So he's like, give me a name, any name. And so she says something like Nicole de Laurent. So I'm wondering, is, was that her mother? Was it her mother's name, Nicole? I don't know. So that's, that's interesting. So, of course... King Henry is called the uh, King Henry. <laughs> Hopefully, by the end of the movie, he'll be uh, king. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, his mom calls him over, like, "Hey, Henry, look, you're home. That's great. Your dad wants to talk to you. The king wants to have, like a word with you. Several words with you, in fact." And King, <laughs> you want to call him King Henry? Uh, Prince Henry's like, "Yes, uh huh. He usually does. He's gonna get himself reamed out. Like, yep." prepare for multiple lectures. It's like, really, where did that girl go? Where'd she go? <laughs> so, yeah, Danielle has Maurice and we see Maurice's wife. It's just so she's so happy. She's t seeing her husband there, walking up with Danielle. It's like, you know, because she thought she would never see him again. And just the idea that he's there, he's freed, it's okay. So yes, this is in fact Walter Sparrow, who was Crazy Pete now and then. He played Duncan in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He was uh, Ben Weather something or other in 1993. So yeah, all these roles, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, 91. Secret Garden, 93. 1995 was now and then. 98 was Maurice. I'm trying to see if there's anything else I might have seen him in. 
And I'm not seeing it. Yes, he would have passed away in 2000 at the age of 73. Really, his his look, his voice is unmistakable. Like, you hear him, you're like, yes, that's Duncan from Prince of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yes. Maurice and his wife, they're hugging, they're kissing. It's so sweet. And the other uh, lady's maid there is just so excited about this reunion. And she's like, oh. I love how Danielle is kind of standing just off of the side here. She's kind of like so nervous yet so happy to reunite. Oh, and they open their arms like, hug, hug, come on, Danielle, get in here, get in here. Wouldn't they have to hide him though? So that way, um, what's her face doesn't, Angelica Houston's character doesn't find him. So now we're getting back to the castle with Prince Henry and his father. So, yeah, when Henry comes in there, his father right away is like, you've been restricted to the grounds. You're not going anywhere. And Henry, he's like, are you, like, am I under house arrest, basically? And his father says, do not mock me, boy, for I am in a foul disposition. Like, hey, that ain't my problem. (laughs) How old are his parents? They look like they're well into their 50s. And his father is all about having his own way and everything. And Prince Henry's like, or what? You'll send me to the Americas like some criminal? And he says, or for the sake of your stupid contract. It's like, he is a living, breathing human being. Really? And just do with him what you will. Father tells him, you are the crown prince of France. Well, duh. He already knows that. You remind him every day. He's probably known that since he could talk. And yeah, Prince Henry says, yeah, but it's my, it's still my life. And of course, uh, Monica Joan <laughs> jumps in there with like, really you two. Francis, sit down before you have a stroke. So apparently mom here is going to be no help. She's like, sweetheart, you were born to privilege. And with that comes specific obligations. Like, I'm sure that she and her husband were also put into an arranged marriage. I wouldn't be surprised. And he says, forgive me, mother, but an arranged marriage never made anyone in this marriage to a stranger never made anyone in this room very happy. And yes, Father Thurston's like, you will marry Gabrielle by the next full moon or I will strike you in any way I can. And it's not, it's clearly he starts to do nothing to Prince Henry as he says, what's it to be, Father, hot oil or the rack? Yeah. (laughs) What's his father to say to this, really? He's like, I will simply deny you the crown and uh, live forever. I don't think that Prince Henry really, that doesn't bother him. He's like, good, do that. Have the crown forever. Deny it. Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want. It's almost like he's saying, I don't want this life. I don't want this responsibility. And Prince Henry says, good, agreed. Yeah, he's like, he says, I don't want it. I don't want this responsibility. So, <laughs> he's like, yeah, King Francis pretty much writes him off. Like, hey, he's your son now. <sighs> oh, my goodness. You shall are restricted to the grounds. Are you putting me under house arrest? Do not mock me, boy, for I am in a foul disposition, and I will have my way. Or what? You ship me to the Americas like some criminal, all for the sake of your stupid contract. You are the crown prince of France. 
and it is my life. Francis, sit down before you have a stroke. Really, the two of you. Sweetheart, you were born to privilege, and with that comes specific obligations. Forgive me, Mother, but marriage to a complete stranger never made anyone in this room very happy. You will marry Gabriella by the next full moon, or I will strike at you in any way I can. What's it to be, Father? Hot oil or the rack? I will simply deny you the crown and live forever. Fine. Good. Agreed. I don't want it. He's your son. Okay, so... I don't know what uh, Marguerite is doing. Some weird dice game. I don't know. So, of course, here comes Danielle with flowers or something. And Marguerite tells him, somebody's in trouble. And Danielle says, oh, what do you mean? Here comes Rodilla or whatever, Angelica Houston. Yeah, she... Did they find out that she uh, freed Maurice? Or is this a... How come you never mentioned seeing the prince or something? Th that's what I'm guessing. Mean. You stupid, <laughs> stupid girl. How dare you do this to me, to Marguerite? Why, the whole thing makes me sick. It's deceitfulness, Danielle, and I will not have it in this house. What did I do? Think, Danielle. Think really hard. Prince Henry stole our horse this morning. Yes, and that would explain why he returned it this afternoon. How dare you let him surprise us like that? I'm sorry. Luckily for you, Marguerite turned in a beautiful performance. She and the prince had quite an interlude. Yeah, yeah right. I shouldn't be surprised if he drops by again. Come, come. I must know exactly what was said. Simplest phrase can have a thousand meanings. You said you were forceful. What did you say? I called him a thief, madam. I did not recognize him. Yeah, the photo. He had his photo. You can see his face. Oh, Daniel. Seriously. You poor little country girl. We must work extra hard to make sure the manor is spotless. We cannot have a royal bottom sitting on a dirty chaise, now can we? No. What is he doing here? Uh, I, I have worked off your... My debts, madame. They told me I could go home. Fine. Go catch a chicken. whatever mentions about oh the prince had returned the horse that yeah and he's daniel's like oh he the prince stole a horse and then she's saying how well i didn't recognize him i didn't know that was him and they're all like <laughs> it's like no his hood was up seriously she didn't see his face you're telling me you're gonna recognize someone's voice like have you heard it like twice no most likely not um so yeah, now she's, yeah, she's wanting like a word by word. Like, I want a transcript of your conversation. Would you say to him? She's like, oh yeah, I called him a thief. And 
she's now she's given uh Danielle orders like oh you gotta do this you gotta do that blah 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 in case he comes to call on Marguerite no he's not gonna come to call on her and no they did not have a wonderful interlude as you call it and it was very one sided uh, yeah and then of course yeah Maurice comes up and she's oh uh, and Angelica Houston's all like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh yeah, I paid off your, I mean my debt. And she's like, oh, well then go catch a chicken or whatever. I, I, you don't need to be here. Like, why are you still here? Bye. She doesn't really care. She's all about like, thinking the prince is going to marry Marguerite. Yeah, I don't think that's how that's going to work. He was like, he couldn't get out of the car. Like, oh, she's not here? Okay, well, here's your horse. Bye. So, yeah, we see King Henry, <laughs> King Henry, Prince Henry, he's walking with his mom in the gardens, it's nighttime, he's mentioning about this girl, Nicole, and saying she's a cousin of, well, I mean, she didn't say what her cousin's name was, but, uh, yeah, I'm, he's completely infatuated with her. So, the courtiers, does that mean, like, single ladies, like, in the village, or the whatever wherever they're at when they reign. Um, she's like, oh yeah, ma, mother's, of course you've heard of her, right? This Nicole, whatever her last name is. And his mother's like, honey, there are so many ladies here, I don't know all their names. There's just too many to remember them all by name. So she's kind of like, oh, why do you ask? And he's like, oh, oh, what? no, uh, never mind, it's not important. Like, you know, this boy's got a girl on his mind, and it ain't the girl from Spain that he's supposedly supposed to marry, this Gabriella. Do we even see Gabriella in this match? I don't know. We'll find out. Oh boy, here comes to ruin this nice mother-son evening walk is King Francis. Like, oh, in honor of Da Vinci, I've decided to throw a masked ball. Oh, yeah. The ma- okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. So basically he comes up with a compromise, like I'll come up with a compromise between you and me the night of the ball, as in if you really seek marriage for, you know, love, you want a marriage based on love, then I suggest you're going to have to find it before this happened, this ball takes place. So it's like, yeah, I'll agree, like, okay, you don't have to marry, you know, this Gabrielle person from Spain, but you do have to find somebody to marry between right now today and the time of this ball which I don't know what they can a week two weeks not even that who knows five days at the stro hence the stroke of midnight ah yeah I get it yep stroke of midnight we gotcha you will announce your en engagement to the girl of your choice well no pressure there Whew. and he says or if you don't I will announce it for you and I will tell you who you're gonna marry so basically, if you don't pick somebody, we're back to square one. And I'm just going to say, you're marrying that girl. It's a done deal. It's happening. And you won't be able to back out of it. So he's like, all right, are we agreed? And Henry says, well, what about your treaty? He's like, don't, don't worry about that. Let me worry about saying you've got bigger problems. You've got to find yourself a wife in like less than five days. <laughs> and... Henry's mother says, choose wisely, Henry. Like, you have to stay with us for soon for the rest of your life. Oh, she says, yeah, choose wisely, Henry. Divorce is only something they do in England. <laughs> she is really itching, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's really hard to stay married to you, Francis. You make it very hard. <laughs> the look, the 
raised eyebrow that Francis gives his wife, like, uh huh. <laughs> Who, dear? Comtesse Nicole de Longpre. She's a cousin of. Actually, I don't know who her cousin is. <laughs> Surely you have heard of her. Oh, darling. There are simply too many courtiers to remember them all by name. Why do you ask? Hmm? Uh, never mind. In honor of Signor da Vinci, I have decided to throw a ball. A masterpiece. At which point, you and I will strike a compromise. Compromise? You? If love is what you seek, then I suggest you find it before then. For five days hence, at the stroke of midnight, you will announce your engagement to the girl of your choice, or I will announce it for you. Are we agreed? What of your treaty? Let me worry about Spain. You've got bigger problems. Choose wisely, Henry. Divorce is only something they do in England. Yeah, <laughs> like that looks like, uh-huh. Right, looks like someone's delivering an invitation for the masked ball. It says to the Baroness Dig, however you pronounce her name, and the ladies of the house, their majesties Lord Chamberlain and Lord Chamberlain cordially invite you to a M-A-S-Q-U-E mask, or however you pronounce it, in honor of Signor Leonardo da Vinci on the eve of the Feast of St. Jude. Okay, so Rodella Angelica Houston, she asked... What about the engagement? Is that still going on? And the messenger guy says, no, that's been canceled. But he, the prince does have to find a wife on the night of the ball. Before midnight, of course. So she immediately starts dropping money into this messenger guy's hand. She says, I shall need to know who the competition is every move he makes, and any other tidbits that you can give to me. Oh, every move he makes, his agenda, she hands a lot of coins over, and any other tidbits tidbits you might pick up. So, the guy kind of, the messenger guy looks behind him and is like, alright, look, he's playing tennis with a market or whatever tomorrow at noon. So he's playing tennis with somebody. <laughs> Apparently tennis existed in the 1600s. So, oh my goodness, she's already thinking her daughter Marguerite is going to be queen. Like, oh, when my daughter becomes queen, perhaps we might come to a new arrangement. <laughs> gross, gross, gross. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> it looks like uh, they're cutting honey out of a hive of sorts, like big old honeycombs. At first I wasn't sure who it is because they're wearing, you know, beekeeper type masks and it's Danielle and Paul Paulette, I believe. And of course Paulette's all like, oh, if only you could have, you know, been with the prince and I wish, you know, I'd love to see that you go to this, you know, this mask ball thing. Speaking to him like a lady. And Danielle says, it's more like scolding him is more like it. Yeah. Because the two opportunities she's had with this guy is yelling in his face. Oh, so that was her mother's name that she 
gave him. Okay. I, I kind of had an inkling. I kind of had an inkling. And apparently all day Daniel's been saying, like, oh, he's insufferable. It's like, yeah, you've been saying that all day. I don't think you really mean it, though. Paulette says, you know, he's royalty, okay? They're born like that. It's just how they are. So Paulette is really, you know, I bet he's really charming. Like, once you actually get to know him, and beside the whole prince facade kind of goes away, you get to see him for who he is and not his, you know, his royal title. Seriously, Daniel, you think that? he sa She says, I think that he and Marguerite deserve each other. And Paulette's like, oh, bite your tongue. Come on now. And Paulette says, the only throne I want her sitting on is the one I have to clean every day. Hence, the toilet, the chamber pot, whatever it is that they use. So, Rod Miller is upstairs going through dresses for Marguerite. And like, oh, it's his favorite color, apparently. And she says, Marguerite says, yeah, 50 other girls will be wearing the same color. So, so Jacqueline is trying on a dress, and she's like, oh, this one's too small. It's, like, really tight in the bodice area. I'm like, oh, we'll just have to get you a tighter corset or something. I'm like, no, oh, my gosh. Oh, a tighter cinch, which I guess is another word for corset. So we get another fat joke here aimed at Jacqueline. <clears throat> she's saying, I can't breathe in this thing. And her mother says, well, if... You can't breathe, you can't eat. Ugh. Oh my gosh. Marguerite, of course, does not like the attention being taken off of her. She's like, Mother, focus, please. Focus on me. What is she going to take? Is she going to take something of Danielle's mother's? Oh my gosh, it would anger me so much. Because Radmilla says, Oh, come with me, ladies. I have just this thing, but we must speak of this to nobody. I swear, if they take one of Daniel's mother's dresses, I'm going to be angry. He says, waste not, want not. Are they, oh my gosh, are they, oh my gosh, are they going through Daniel's mom's stuff? They better not be. Oh my gosh, is that Daniel's mother, Danielle's mother's wedding dress? I'm, oh my gosh. Ooh, I'm getting angry just thinking about this. Oh, those are the shoes that down. Okay, from the beginning of the movie, there's one of them. Oh, I get it. <sighs> well, and of course, um, Jacqueline asks, "Where did you get these?" And Rodilla says, "They're Dan. They're Danielle's diary for her dowry. Excuse me for her wedding. So they belong to her mom." <sighs> so why are the uh, Marguerite calls her Cinderella? Oh, married? I doubt it. And I'm sure that Jacqueline says, if that dress is hers, perhaps she'll want to wear it to the ball. And, of course, I'm sure that Angelica Houston, Rodilla, and whatever, and uh, Marguerite are laughing at that. Like, it's her stuff. You don't need to be touching it. Oh, my, I, I gotta play this, because uh, she comes in with the fire, what Danielle does, and sees that, that's her mom's dress and her mom's shoes. I'd be so angry. What is wrong with you people? Oh my gosh. I hope they get theirs in the end. I really hope they get theirs in the end. What are you doing? Airing out your dress. For the mask. Really? Her dress? Or like you were stealing it. I suppose for a commoner it doesn't have to do. I, I mean, look at this. It's... It's... Like to be an antique. 
You wish me to go to a mosque? Of course. Yeah, right. Lies. I don't know what to say. Say? Honestly, Danielle. It hurts me you don't feel like one of my daughters. I only meant... I thought we could all go as one big happy family. Oh, baloney. If you complete your chores in time, mind your manners till then. Matter with her. <laughs> Doesn't want you to go. Yeah, right. Stop it. That's not true. Do you really think there's a Wow, okay, so that definitely I thought she was like gonna say, like, what are you doing with my mom's dress? Why are you touching her stuff? But no, they're like, oh well no, you we're getting this dress ready for you, you know, so you go to the ball and all that stuff. She Oh really, you really think I could? And they're yeah, they're playing it off like, oh yeah, we're getting for you it's like no they weren't totally gonna steal it like yeah they were so I can see where Jacqueline just up and she tosses the shoes and just goes because she's like no 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 she was there she's not about what her mother and sister are about thank goodness we have one good stepsister such a sweetheart so of course just like in the cartoon Rodell, what Angela's character stepmother here is all like, yeah, as long as you get all your chores and mind your manners and all that hoopla poopla, you, you can definitely go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And the fact that she's like, oh, well, I'm surprised that you don't think that I think of you as one of my daughters. We can all go to this thing as one big happy family. No, 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 no. I'm not buying it. The fact that Danielle is even buying it even a half excuse me a half a percent I was like, come on girl come on you're not that naive come on now um i'm waiting for the reveal that uh the stepmother poisoned the father because you know she did you know she did so of course now we get to prince henry and he's talking about fate and oh is there one person for everybody and all of that stuff so so the difference is definitely here between here and the cartoon is we haven't even gotten to the dance yet. But the fact that she actually left him with a name compared to in the cartoon where she dances with him and then she all she leaves is a slipper behind. So I'm guessing that's going to happen later. But he is so fixated on this girl. And uh, he's just so worried, like, oh, what if I see her and I, I, like, blink and she's gone? I don't want to risk my chance of not getting to know this girl. So, yeah, Prince Henry is really theorizing here what it means to be destined, destined to be with one person or fate or all of that stuff. Or two people really meant to be. And, you know, he's hanging out with Da Vinci and all that it's just it's interesting that even in the 16th century he's like really trying to figure things out here about this girl he knows nothing about so i'm kind of curious what those wooden shoe things were is he gonna try to walk across the river with them on i don't know oh my gosh he's got a pig on a leash oh my gosh are they looking for truffles they're looking for truffles right isn't that why they usually use a pig to find truffles so yeah she picked up something that might have been a truffle that that pig has got such fine, like, black, coarse hair. It's just, yeah, some pigs, now that I think about, can be, like, really thick-haired. 
Um, and I guess since it's nice out and the water isn't cold, she's going to go for a swim. And we see her floating with her eyes closed and just having a moment to herself, which is good because she doesn't get many of those. So we have Da Vinci. What, okay, they look like little carved wooden boats that also could be used as... He's literally walking across water in those wooden little carved, you know, boat thing shoes. That is really cool. I bet they weigh a lot. Like, ugh, and trying to, like, move your legs. I bet they weigh your feet down and your legs down a lot. But he's staying above water. And, of course, Danielle is right there. Oh, my gosh. Is there going to be a collision? Because he is so focused on his legs and his feet and making sure that he's staying up right. Oh my gosh. Because she's floating. She doesn't hear any of this. So, But he does see her. He looks down at her. And we kind of see her point of view. <laughs> see this guy look down on the wall, above the wall, on top of the water. And he's like, oh, it looks like rain. And of course, I mean, she had her eyes closed. She didn't know anyone was anywhere near her. Especially not walking on the water. So she screams and he loses his balance and falls over. So, Prince Henry's running down saying, Senor Da Vinci, are you alright? And I like how he's, Da Vinci is, like, climbing out of the water. And he's like, I should leave walking out in water to the Son of God. Fortunately, I tripped over an angel here. And he found the girl. Yeah, he found her. Is she going to pretend that she doesn't even know him? Like, I don't know. Who are you talking about? I'm not that person. So, yeah, he helps her out of the water. He puts his, um, his cape on her. And it's just so sweet. She, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, what do you, he calls her like Comtess, which I don't know if that's a title for. Anyway, and she says, oh your highness. So yeah, she does admit she does recognize him. So those, I wonder if anyone after this movie tried to create those like wooden boat type shoes to walk on water. I really wonder if somebody tried to do that. He does think, you know, that she is of, uh, she comes from money because of how she was dressed when he met her in the, the courtyard area <clears throat> when she was freeing Maurice. And he's like, oh, wow, you come out without your servants? She says, oh, yeah, I gave him the day off. And he laughs like, oh, what, the day off from life? And she looks at him and like, are you tired? Don't you ever tire of people waiting on you all the time? Don't you, wouldn't you rather do stuff on your own? I mean, put on your own pants, put on your own, you know, dress yourself, feed yourself, make a sandwich on your own. So he doesn't get it. He's like, oh yeah, but they're servants. That's what they do. That's their job. It's like, yeah, but clearly they're really just doing it for a paycheck. I mean... If they actually had a choice, they probably would choose to do something different. And she looks at, yeah, she's like, well, I wish I could dismiss dismiss mine as easily as you do yours. Like, they're pretty much just disposable to you. Like, they don't matter. Like, all they are servants to you. Like, people that wait on me and everything. I know their names. I know things, facts about them. We talk. Yeah, she had, you know, relationships with her you know, the, you know, the two, the Paulette and whatever the other one's name is, they basically raised that girl. I don't know when her mother passed, but. So she's like, you know what, I gotta get going. And he's like, why? Oh, you're angry with me. And she's like, well, no, but if you want the truth. Like, yeah, because you're trying to bait me with your snobbery. And he 
kind of throws it in her face and says, you know, I'm afraid, Mademoiselle, you are a walking contradiction. And otherwise, is he calling her, like, a hypocrite or something like that? It finds that, oh, contradiction, like, she's challenging him based on, you know, the answers that he's given and everything. It's like, sure, you have servants and stuff like that, but how well do you really know them? Or you just treat them like servants and everything like that. You don't think of them as actual people. But apparently, uh, yeah, he's like, you're a walking contradiction. And I find that rather fascinating. Why? Because somebody for the first time in your life is calling you out and challenging your thoughts and feelings and all that. And he's like, yeah, she's like, me? And he's like, yeah, you, you spout the ideals of a utopian society, yet you live the life of a, oh, okay, yeah, like a utopian being free and everything, you know, going about your life and not having to answer to anybody. And he's like, yeah, you say that, yet you live the life of a, what is a courtier, which is basically somebody who has servants, kind of like just below, you know, his level too, in a way. And it's just like... Almost like, yeah, he is kind of calling her a hypocrite in some ways. And she kind of throws it back at him, like, yeah, you own all the land there is, yet you take no pride in working it. In a way, it's like, yeah, she's like, you own all this land, and yet you not, it's not like you're out there getting your hands dirty and working alongside the people that work your land and stuff and taking pride in what you own. And she says, is that not also a contradiction? And he's like, okay, first I'm arrogant, and now I have no pride? Okay. So yeah, he, he she definitely can give him a good argument and kind of like make him think about his behavior and how he kind of lives his life. So to, part of me almost feels like he's saying, you know, I can't win with you, honestly. Either way, I'm going to come up losing. You're not going to be happy with any, it's like, he's almost like you're picking apart my behaviors and how I live my life and everything like that. Like, <laughs> so I was like, why, why do I like you again? <laughs> yeah, she tells him, you have everything and still the world holds no joy. It's like, well, that's the thing. You can have so much money and so many possessions and still at the end of the day, you're not happy. You're depressed. And that's the, that's the thing. It's, it's just, I'm trying to think. There's a word. I forgot what it, I'm trying to think. That's saying. Momentary moments of contentment. Like, you're content for a little bit, but after a while it's either you want more or you're not happy and you're not satisfied with, with what you have. Because it's, it's never going to be enough for you in a big house with a bunch of cars and a tennis court and this and that and be financially well off where you don't have to work but at the end of the day if it's just you there by yourself in your house and you have no one to share any of this with it's like is it really even worth it and she says and yet you make fun of those who would see it for its possibilities and danielle is like she she really has nothing. You know, her dad's gone. Her mom died when she was young. She probably barely remembers her. And she sees this guy who just has everything handed to him on a silver platter, most likely. And just how miserable this guy is. And the fact that sometimes we look at and just think people like, oh my gosh. And it's, 
you know, it's not right to judge like that, but it's like you're, you're thinking like, oh, if I only had this, or, oh, if I had what this person has, I'd be happy because of what, it's like, no. Or if I had what you had, I could be doing so much more with it, and I would be taking so much, putting so much more into, you know, I don't know. And he asked her, how do you do it? And she asked, what? He's just, he's astounded by her. He's like, live each day with this kind of passion. It's like, don't you find it exhausting? It's like, no, because she is a positive person. She never, he seems like a glass half full, or no, a glass half empty, where she looks at the world as a glass half full and full of just, you know, possibilities. And just, she puts so much drive and effort into everything she, she does she has a good heart she looks out for people she takes care of people and when she's eight years old she was always you know you know looking after her dad it's like i get it you don't have time you're a husband now it's, it's like you take care of yourself like I'll, I'll help take care of you oh it just oh it breaks my heart that her father passed <laughs> it's like oh all this this passion you have don't you find it exhausting she looks at him and she <laughs> kind of like a quirked up eyebrows it's like, only when I'm around you it's like they bring that out of each other they challenge each other and I think sometimes that is what attracts one person to another is like when you challenge their their ideals their beliefs their way of life and everything and not in a way to be mean but it's like it almost in a way feels like sometimes I mean even though he's not a mean aggressive person it's like poking the bear kind of like <laughs> She's like, well, why do you like to irritate me so? It's like, you guys kind of irritate each It's like, it feels like kind of a, a, a love-hate. They don't hate each other, but it's like they love to rile each other up. They love to uh, get each other going. And he's like, well, why do you rise to the occasion? Like, <laughs> why do you, almost like, why do you make it so easy for me to, like, annoy you and stuff like that? It's just, it's cute. I really like it. <laughs> She's just got this almost like a smirky smile. Like, oh, you. <laughs> they are very much alike. And they both want, deep down, kind of want the same things. Even though from they're from different, they're different on different sides of the coin. Where he's got money, he's unhappy. And it's almost like he's looking for the other half the other half to complete him in a way and she kind of is you know she's also looking for something more she wants you know she wants a family I mean she's got a stepmother that's horrible and one stepsister who just hates her guts sight unseen um and another one that is just the sweetest misunderstood girl I mean I, I kind of like that because in the cartoon both Drizella and Anastasia were horrible beyond horrible. There's no redeeming qualities. However, I believe in the second movie, Anastasia's the redhead in the cartoon, right? Because she was the one who ended up getting involved with that baker at the end. That, uh, yeah. So you almost saw kind of like some redeeming quality coming out of her, but... Drizella, the black-haired stepsister, was more in tune with her mother, more like cruel, like her mother, and uncaring and stuff. To give them the day off. A day off of what, life? 
Don't you ever tire of having people wait on you all the time? Yes, but the servants is what they do. Well, I wish I could dismiss mine as easily as you do yours. I must be going. You're angry with me. No. Admit it. Well, yes, if you must know. Why? Because you are trying to bait me with your snobbery. I'm afraid, mademoiselle, that you are a walking contradiction, and I find that rather fascinating. Me? Yes, you. You spout the ideals of a utopian society, and yet you live the life of a courtier. And you own all the land there is, and yet you take no pride in working it. Is that not also a contradiction? First I'm arrogant, and now I have no pride. However do I manage that? You have everything, and still the world holds no joy. And yet you insist on making fun of those who would see it for its possibilities. How do you do it? What? Live each day with this kind of passion. Don't you find it exhausting? Only when not I'm when, around you. Not when you're born, mother. Why do you like to irritate me so? Why do you rise to the occasion? <laughs> <laughs> you make it so easy. <laughs> Forgive me, Your Highness, I've lost track of the hour. But the wind! It's perfect! I am sorry. I'm playing tennis tomorrow with the Marquis de Limoges. Will you come? I must go! Okay, so I, uh, Jacqueline uh, was looking, calling for Dan. At first, uh, I don't know why I thought that was Daniel Lee. Why is she over there? Why is she wearing something? No, no, no. That's. That's Jacqueline asking for, like, Danielle, where are you? Eat those truffles, apparently. So since electricity didn't exist then, uh, Angelica, you know, st the stepmother is all like, oh, where's the candlesticks? I can hardly see my feet. And, of course, Paulette's like, oh, they're missing, milady. I've searched high and low. I have no idea where they are. The painting in the upstairs hall is gone. See, she doesn't, Danielle doesn't even get to eat. But, well, why would you want to eat with them anyway? But even so, I feel so bad for for Jacqueline. And just, oh, it breaks my heart that she has to be there with a horrible stepmother. I don't even think those girls are actually, they might be like half-sisters, if anything. Because I think that lady's been married and poisoned both her two previous husbands. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, like, oh, we have a uh, thief in the mess. And... St the stepmother is all like, oh my gosh, this is how I'm treated after all these years. My husband's prized possession. Those technically should be going to Danielle, but since, you know, he married this one. I don't even know how long they'd even been married. But real, everything's going to pass over Danielle and go straight to the stepmother. Hey, I don't like that. So, oh my god, this is horrible. She says, well then, I should just garnish your wages until the pilfered items are returned. <gasps> what? Where did they go? That's horrible. I'm like, what can Paulette and the other lady even say to that? It's like, yes, ma'am, sure. And even Danielle's like, are you serious? He's thinking that. Like, no. Oh, now she's trying to ship them off to the Americas with all the other things. This is horrible. So Jacqueline says, oh, didn't you hear? The prince asked the king to release all those men. <coughs> so now by royal decree, any man who sails should be compensated. Okay. Compensated. Honestly, what is the world coming to? She would think that, wouldn't you, uh, Angelica Houston? 
stepmother. Mm-hmm. Apparently everyone is talking about this Comtesse who the prince is obsessed with. We all know it's Danielle. No other girl in the village or kingdom or whatever, wherever this is at, even is going to hold a candle to Danielle. So, Marguerite's got the inside scoop. She's saying, like, all these girls were talking about the prince falling all over himself over this girl. <clears throat> I love the smiles on Paulette and the other lady. Because they know. They know who it is. And Rod Miller says, oh, we should find out who she is and bury her. It's like, Ugh. Of course, Danielle, as she's going to refill a, a cup on the table, like, accidentally not. It's not, it's empty, so it didn't spill anything anywhere, but even still. This is an interesting thing of tennis. It looks like tennis combined with, like, racquetball. Because there's a regular net kind of thing. And then, um... They're hitting the ball, like Prince Henry and this other guy, his opponent. But they're hitting it at the wall to hit at each other. It's almost like a combination of ten tennis slash racquetball. So of course, Prince Henry like goes to hit the ball. I guess he hits it with too much force that sends him backwards into all these single ladies that are watching him play. And they're all like hovering over him like, oh my gosh, are you hurt? Are you okay? So all these little hankies or whatever they are that he's pulling off of himself that these ladies like draped over his arms. Oh my gosh, you think it were a rock concert the way that. Uh... <laughs> so Marguerite is there. Also Jacqueline is there. I thought that was Dan. I can't be getting Danielle and uh, Jacqueline because they both have dark hair and kind of look kind of sort of similar, but. Jacqueline has, like, the little racquetball ball thing, and she hands it to him, and he's like, I don't know whether this is, a, like, a tight lip smile or a nice-to-see-you-there smile. He's like, oh, you're looking well. Ugh, please don't flirt with her. She's a horrible human being. She is flirting hard with him. She says, oh, you're, because he's like, oh, you're looking well. And she's like, oh, you're welcome to look, like, Good grief. Uh, yeah, heavy flirting. Like, gross, gross. I don't like it. I don't know who these rough-looking guys are, but they spell bad news. They're, like, wearing, like, black leatherish-type clothing over white long-sleeve shirts or whatever. Just, like, who are, are they a gang? Who are they? I even got a couple dogs. Oh my gosh, are they going to start stuff with Danielle? Because they're like zeroing in on her. Oh, apparently he knows her name. This isn't good. Is this, uh, I don't like these. Uh, yeah, the, this guy with the mustache and the little uh, Fu Manchu goatee thing, whatever this is supposed to be. Like, oh, you get prettier every week. So does... She is she paying off some of her father's debt? What is going on, Monsieur Le Pew or whatever his name is? She's like you are wasting wasting your flattery. What is she doing there? Oh, we also see Paulette there with uh, the other lady. What is the deal here? I mean, he's talking about 
their land being profitable or something like, oh, you came from money at one point, but you don't have any, or you used to have good, uh, like, I don't know what the heck he's getting at. And they're basically telling, um, Paulette and the other layer telling the guy, like, move on, there's nothing here for you. Take it up with the Baroness and do your shopping. And he says, I'd rather discuss it with Danielle if you don't mind. What is, who, ugh, who is this dude? Yeah, he's like, oh, oh my gosh, is he looking to form an arranged marriage or something? He's like, oh, it may be twice your age, child, but I'm well endowed. You're also gross and disgusting, and nobody would ever want you, and you're a creep. He's this guy is really pushing himself on Danielle. It's like, oh, you need a wealthy benefactor. I've always had a soft spot for the less fortunate. It's like, guy, go away. Who are you? Le Pew? This Le Pew guy. He says, oh, I need a young lady with spirit. And she, <laughs> I love this smirky smile. She's like, prunes? You need some prunes? <laughs> His teeth are nasty. Look, they've never been, I mean, I get it's the 16th century, but his, this guy's teeth are really, really nasty and like almost black. So basically, this guy's acting like he holds all the cards. Like, I'm not going to buy anything from you this week. Oh, okay, so they got kind of a little uh, little market area set up, a little uh, stall or a booth or whatever. So they say, I'm not going to buy anything from you, and if I don't, your pathetic little farm will cease to exist. <sighs> Dude, go away, Mr. Le Pew. Pew is the definite best name for this guy, because he looks just gross. He's like like, flat-out threaten her, her, saying, so I'd be very, very careful if I were you. Guy, she doesn't want you. You're gross. Go away. As soon as I saw this guy walking with, like, two other henchmen and two dogs, I'm like, this guy is, he's garbage. He's a garbage human being. He's not even a human being, as far as I'm concerned. I cannot believe the prince, Prince Henry, is hanging out with Marguerite. I just, I don't see what he sees in her. Other than him being physically attracted her, to her, her personality is garbage. She should be the, that Le Pew guy. Because here we do have um, Jacqueline and Rodmilla also walking. Okay. And he's offering her something. Some type of candy, some type of fruit, something, something. Okay, what is he playing at? Because she closes her eyes and opens her mouth like he's going... She's expecting him to, like, put whatever he's talking about, whatever type of food, in her mouth. And he's got this look on his face like he's utterly repulsed. What is it? A piece of chocolate? It was, like, really, really small. Is it a cocoa bean? Coconut? Of course. <laughs> Jacqueline. Looks like she wants some, and then Red Mill is like, oh, no, don't even think about it. So he asks her, oh, do you like it? And she's like, like it? Why? It's positively simple. Okay, seriously? Calm down. So I was right. It was chocolate. He's like, oh, what's it called? He's like, uh, uh, chocolate. And he says the Spanish monks keep sending bricks of it. So she, um... Uh, Marguerite explains how these are servants. He goes, oh, yeah, I'd love to meet them. Oh, my gosh. Is Daniel going to be found out as a servant? Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. So both Paulette and the other lady, like, when they see Prince Henry, they're like, oh, shoot, Danielle's here. 
And they don't, they don't want her cover blown, so I'm sure they gotta create some type of a distraction. So, yeah, he says, good day, ladies. And then he sees Danielle, and then she throws a chicken in his face, and she runs off. So, I don't know where the chicken went to, and Rod Miller's the, oh my gosh, were you trying to scare the prince to death? And then Prince Henry, like, composes himself. He's like, but wait a minute. He's looking like, I'm confused. Were there just two of you here? Like, oh yeah, 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 there were. <laughs> and he, uh, the other lady next to Paula is like, oh, uh, yeah, and the chicken, your highness. He was here, too. She, he, whatever the chicken's gender, I don't know. <laughs> He's, like, looking between them, like, yeah, right, I'm not buying that for a second. So, oh my goodness. Rod is like, talking about pressing for an engagement, like, pushing this thing. I don't even think there really is a thing between Marguerite and Prince Henry. There's really nothing there. And, and Rod Mill is talking about, like, oh, Paris at Christmas, of course. Like, Danielle, you won't be going with us if that happens. Yeah, Rod Mill is like, oh, can you imagine it? Paris and Christmas in Paris. Like, oh, I don't imagine that you can. Ouch. Oh, my gosh. So she's, Rod Mill is telling Danielle, like, oh, my mother is hard on me, too. She said cleanliness was next to godliness. And she forced me to wash my face at least 20 times a day. Well, that could definitely imagine that that would be a bit of an overboard and could lead to probably dry skin, rashes, irritation. I'm no doctor. I'm no skin doctor. Yeah, she had her mother had her wash her face 20 times a day, convinced it was never clean. Okay, so your mother had an issue with germs and like maybe even some type of OCD ish cleanliness type of thing going on. I don't know. Yeah, sure, Baroness, we get it, who cares? Danielle's, br Danielle's brushing her hair. And she's saying how Marguerite shall be queen. Really? That's not really up to you, that's up to Prince Henry. Why is she bringing this up? She has Danielle, like, kind of, like, kneel in front of her and says, like, it's a pity you never knew your mother. It's like, well, that wasn't her fault. Her mom died when she was really young. She was eight when her dad died. Who knows what how old she was when her mom passed. I don't understand. Why are you bringing this up? She, oh, you, there must be a little bit of her in you somewhere. So what? Yeah, there probably is. And of course, Danielle says, you know, I wish I knew what she looked like. Yeah, probably. They didn't have photographs back then. Like, the best you probably could do is, like, if someone painted a picture. That's your picture. Oh, she says, uh, yeah, Ramilla says, oh, we should never feel sorry for ourselves. No matter how bad things get, they can always get worse. Okay, I don't like that. <laughs> Why are you putting so much negativity into this girl? Like, she's trying to, like, oh, you're so positive. Let me knock you down a peg and make you feel worse than you already do. <sighs> Something. And, and Danielle's like, yes, madam. Like, she's bending over backwards trying to please this woman who will never be pleased with Danielle. She also, and then Rod Miller says, you have so much of your father in you. Well, she is part of both her parents. I don't know what to tell you. What is she fishing at exactly? What is she... Trying to get a reaction out of Danielle? I don't understand. And she's, and, and I, Danielle is smiling at this just as I thought that she looks like her dad. And Rod Miller says, sometimes I can almost see him looking out through your eyes. And Danielle's, really? It's like she is, just, I mean, like I said, she was eight when she lost her dad. And she just, the Baroness doesn't know anything about him. Nothing that a, a wife would know about her husband. 
Yeah, she says, oh, well, your features are so masculine. What? Ugh. She says, oh, to be raised by a man, no wonder you're built for hard labor. There, this isn't a sweet moment. This lady has no sweetness in her whatsoever. She's a horrible, cruel woman. And Danielle asks, did you love my father? Uh, probably about as much as she loved the other two men that she most likely poisoned that were from her two other... Oh my gosh, what if those two girls were not actually her daughters? What if she... Like, poisoned the previous husbands, and just the daughters were so young that they just took on, you know, her as the mother role or something. I don't know. I'm wondering now. She says, well, I barely knew him. Of course you barely knew him. She won't even look Danielle in the face when she says that. And it's like she's bothered, like, all right, no, go away. Go away. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Like, you called her to you. To, like, put wood in the fireplace and you're talking about all this stuff. It's like, ugh. Says, I'm tired. Good for you. You should be tired. You're a horrible human. Okay, so now we see Maurice with the wood. I'm wondering if he's going to find something. I, I, or, like, I mean, we're focusing on him. Like, what's going on? Something. I, I think... I mean, we should be coming up on the fact that this woman poisoned that. I know she must have. I, I said I've never seen this before, but I have an inkling. Like, she poisoned him. She poisoned her two ex-husbands and lived off their money until she ran out. And that's why she married this other guy. And she's been collecting children, these stepchildren. I mean, why else would that explain why Marguerite is just like her, but... Jacqueline is not, she is not even in any way, shape, or form have an evil ounce in her whole self at all. Oh, she's flying Da Vinci's kite. And he's saying, oh, I don't see why you're so happy if they get married, you know, Marguerite and Pr Prince Henry. You're going to be swimming in manure or something. And Daniel's like, I don't see why it would bother you so. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, she's like, I couldn't care less. And he says, yeah, you're lying, all right? The prince would be your brother-in-law. Well, they're step-siblings, so they wouldn't be that related. Yeah, and he, he, he's like, yeah, and you'd be bringing them Countess de whatever your, what, whatever, would be bringing them breakfast in bed. No, I don't see him wanting to marry Margaret. No, no, no. He is an artist. This Gustav, this gorgeous painting. So, yeah, oh, I get what she wants to do. Yeah, she's like, they all can move into the palace. It would be great. And I could stay with the manor and turn things around and do things. You know, it's her father's home. And she just, yeah. And then all the, you know, the, the servants and everyone, they could all be one happy family. Without the baroness and her two, you know, stepdaughters. Well, Jacqueline could hang out there, but not Marguerite. She would, yeah, she would go. So... He, Gustav's like, come on, admit it, you like him. She's like, nope, nope, I don't. And then, of course, we do see Prince Henry riding up on his horse. And Gustav's like, oh, and I suppose if you saw him again? He's like, you'd simply, what? And, and Danielle says, oh, I walk right up to him and say, your highness, my family is your family. 
Good riddance and good luck. My family is your family. Please take them away. And Gustav says good because here's your big chance. He's headed this way. He's going to what? Hide behind a giant hay bale? <laughs> a big tall hay? Like bale of... Not, it's not even a bale of hay. It's like a big old like mini mountain of hay that you, I would love to just slide down. Well, Prince Henry comes up and says, hey, I'm looking for Signor Da Vinci. We're to go to the monastery. Have you seen him? So, yeah, Gustav's like, no, your highness, I haven't seen him at all. And Prince Henry does recognize the flying contraption or kite that's just flying in the air. Like, oh, there's a reason it's flying in the air. Someone's holding on to the bottom of it. So, yeah, she lets go of it and the kite starts to fly away. And he, uh, Gustav tells Prince Henry, like, oh, yeah, he, from the, uh, he got, Gustav got it from the, you know, basically Daniel's pseudonym, saying that she is a friend of his. So Prince Henry's like, oh, you know her. You must find her. Where can I find her? Where is she staying? You believe, your highness, she is staying with a cousin. Like, oh, yeah, what's the cousin's name? Ugh. <laughs> So we're back to square one with the whole cousin thing. Oh my goodness, Gustav, really? Oh, the cousin, the Baroness Vodmila. Oh, great, wonderful. Uh-huh, this is going to work out so well. Kind of blew her cover, man. And Danielle the whole time was kind of looking behind this haystack going like, ugh, seriously, Gustav. And... Prince Henry says, yeah, that's going to pose a problem. And Gustav says, yeah, uh, she is, in fact, there, alone, by herself. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, she's there by herself at this very moment. And uh, Prince Henry, before he rides off, says, oh, nice painting. And once they leave, Danielle's running out saying, oh, Gustav, you horrible little snipe. Gustav is already like, oh, my gosh, did you hear? He likes my work. He likes my painting. Like, Gustav, please, come back to Earth for a second, okay? We're talking about me and how you kind of blew my cover. Yeah, and she says, yeah, and he is headed towards my house, like, right now where I'm not at. And he bends, Gustav bends down to her, like, well, then I suggest you, like, run. Like, move it. Like, yeah, she's going to be able to run, outrun a horse that's already, like, miles ahead of her. I don't think so. So, luckily, Louise and... Paulette are able to help her change into her um, rich person clothes, I guess, if you want to call it. So she opens her like, oh, your highness, what an unexpected surprise. So he asks her if she attends church, and she says, no, unfortunately, I, you know, my faith, you know, works, you know, other ways, how I worship and stuff like that. And you see Paulette and Louise are just like, oh, this kid, I swear she's going to be a death of us. So he asked her to go to the monastery with him. It's got a really great library. Since you're, you know, fond of reading, I thought you might come along and join me. So she's like, oh, it is not fair, sire. You found my weakness, but I have yet to learn yours. And he says, oh, well, I think it's quite obvious. Yeah, he's looking right at her. He's got a weakness for beautiful brunettes named Danielle. <laughs> Although he doesn't know that that's her name. <laughs> so he tells the captain, like, hey, I'm not going to need your horse or my horse or your services. You can just kind of 
Go do your own thing. I'm not gonna be Prince Henry. I'm just Henry today. Aww. I am bound for the monastery. The, the Franciscans have an astonishing library. Since you are so fond of reading, I thought perhaps you might join me. It's not fair, sire. You have found my weakness, but I have yet to learn yours. Well, I should think it's quite obvious. Captain Malone, I shall not be needing my horse or your services. Today I am simply Henry. So Daniel and Henry, they're going through the the stairs, they're going up and down the stairs, and just all these volumes of books. And he's telling her to pick one. He's like, he's like, I can no more pick a book here than I could a star in the heavens. And he's like, oh, I don't, you know, what got you into reading, basically? And she's like, yeah, my dad would read to me at night, and that was kind of our thing. And she says, I would fall asleep listening to the sound of his voice. So he asked her, you know, what sort of books? And she says, you know, science, philosophy. She says, I suppose they remind me of him. And I'm just thinking, yeah, how much actual fiction books were written back then? Unless it was on certain topics. She mentions how he died when I was eight. <laughs> and she tells Henry, like, well, Utopia was the last book that he brought home to me before he passed. Henry kind of looks at her smiling, like, oh, that explains why you quote it all the time. And she says, I would rather hear his voice again than any sound in the world. And something clearly bothers Henry as he starts walking down the stairs. And she kind of picks up on it. She's like, is something wrong? And he turns to her and says, you know... In all my years of being tutored, not one of those tutors has shown the passion that you've shown me in the last two days. And he says, you have more conviction in one memory than I have in my entire being. And she's kind of thinking like it's like she did something wrong. Like, your highness, has I said or done anything? And he turns around and like, no, please, it's not you. Like, he's wrestling with his own issues. So, Rodmilla has Marguerite. She's like, oh, it's now or never Marguerite. Make haste. So what is she going up to Prince Henry's parents? What is she proposing? Like, I want to marry your son? Like, what? I don't think that's how that works. Like, you and every other eligible girl in the village wants to marry him or the kingdom. Oh, that's what the guy had taken as a way to um, have Marguerite give that to the the queen you're saying oh you must have dropped this she says i don't even remember putting it out it's well that's because you didn't it was taken and the queen says it is a rare person indeed who would return such a valuable keepsake so she's trying to make herself look good in their eyes like she's kind and honest and all this which we know she's not so yeah the queen wants to have a chat with marguerite and, oh, yeah, bring your mom, by the way. So, yeah, we get back to Henry and Danielle, and one of the wheels on their carriage fell off. I'm like, oh, this is not a good thing. So she says, well, Henry and I are going to continue on foot. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's half a day's walk. And she, Danielle's like, honestly, your highness, where's your sense of adventure? Yeah, it's, she's trying to get him to, like, lower his guard and let loose. And it's like, you gotta stop being so 
you all the time and just let yourself have fun and just like who knows where this is gonna take us yes it's an adventure so yeah she wants to find out Red Mill wants to find out why the prince was in a church and of course Jacqueline's jealous like oh Margaret has gets to do everything it's not fair and then Red Miller tells Jacqueline what Marguerite does is for all of us. Like, if she's a queen, it'll be a better life for us all. I don't know why all this stuff is being taken from this place. Or who's doing it, either. Yeah, he's surprised that he doesn't know the way back to his own castle. And Danielle is, like, high up either in a tree or something. She's like, oh yeah, it's back that way. <laughs> Yeah, she's pretty much like, it's safer, because he's like, why am I down here and you're up there and in your undergarments? And she's like, well, I couldn't have tried to climb up here wearing a gown. And you are going to be the next king of France. We don't need you breaking your neck. You already can't find out where your castle is, so, yeah. Okay, well, it looks like the prince is going to get himself in trouble here, as some vagabonds that are also on the road are... One guy's punching him in the face, it looks like. Oh, this is not good. So this is going to be the same people that had, like, with that robbed that carriage and all that. This whole gaggle of whatever they're supposed to be. And Prince Henry and the guy get into a fight, you know, with swords. And then one of them grabs Danielle. Luckily, she's able to fend for herself. And the prince does say, she's with me, let her go. Oh, he's a, the guy's a gypsy. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, the, the gypsy's like, yeah, anything you can carry, you can take with you. Clearly, she ain't carrying a horse. But she is able to put the prince on her back and carry him. Wow. Well, hey, <laughs> with what she does there, helping around uh, the homestead and whatnot, she's got muscles. She can carry a full-grown man on her back. Of course, everyone laughs. <laughs> the idea of a woman carrying a man on her back. <laughs> Even the gypsy guy laughs. <laughs> That's so funny. The guy says, please come back. I'll give you a horse. Okay, so they do use chamber pots. Okay. Of course, Danielle's not there, and the Baroness wants to know where she is. Like, I want to be informed as soon as she gets here. So Danielle and Henry, Prince Henry, are hanging out with the gypsies in the woods, or I guess I hear laughter. <laughs> are they playing rock, paper, scissors again? Uh, well, again, she was playing that with her dad before he passed. <laughs> so she's teaching him how to do the rock, paper, scissors. Oh, he's like, okay, my next choice will be paper. I'm thinking, it doesn't work if you tell him. No, nah, he was tricking her because he wound up with scissors. She had a rock. So he does tell her that he has no desire to be king. That is not what he wants. Danielle sees this as, wait a minute. Think of all the wonderful things you can do to help people. For your country, for the world. All these things you could do. Like, dude, you don't have to be like your dad. You don't have to be a ruthless tyrant. Like, carve your own path. And he's more concerned about being defined by his position. Like, every move I make, people are going to be judging me. They're going to be watching me. It's like, so what? So Danielle's pretty much saying, like, you're not just your title. You're not just a prince. You are a person. You have your own identity outside of that. Just like these gypsies here. They may be a gypsy, but they're more than just that. They are people with thoughts and feelings. 
And she tells him, you know, you've been born to privilege and with that comes specific obligations. It's like, yeah. Sucks, but dems the brakes unless you make changes. She is definitely putting thoughts in his head that he's probably never considered before. It's like, you don't have to go the same route that your father is going. So she's like, I'm sorry, my mouth has run away with me. And he's like, oh no, lady, it's your mouth that has me hypnotized. Oh my gosh, are they gonna kiss? Are they gonna kiss? Oh my gosh, are they gonna kiss? He's leaning in like they're gonna kiss. They might. They do kiss. Oh, I love it so much. Oh my god. <laughs> the gypsy guy's like, yeah! I'm sure they're like, oh yeah, we were all taking bets about when you guys were gonna kiss. <laughs> like how long it would take. Like, okay, pay up. Everyone's cheering and excited. <laughs> They're embarrassed. I get it. <laughs> you are reading my thoughts, my lord. And they're as fuzzy as my own contest. Then France concedes. Never. My next choice will be paper. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> It is your turn, and it better be good. I have no desire to be king. Oh, but think of all the wonderful things you could do for your country, for the world. Yes, but to be so defined by your position. To a gypsy, for example, is rarely painted as anything else. They are defined by their status as your title defines you, yet it is not who they are. You have been born to privilege, and with that come specific obligations. <laughs> I am sorry. My mouth has run away with me again. Uh, no, my lady. It is your mouth that has me hypnotized. <laughs> So Prince Henry takes Danielle home and she has him not go all the way to the door. Like, I don't want to wake everyone. No, she did. <laughs> we don't need to be doing that. No one needs to be finding out about this. So the only ones that know are Louise and Paulette. So, and he tells her when he helps her down off the horse, he says, you know, you saved my life back there. Back there in the woods. And Danielle says, well, a girl does what she can, sire. You're like, Henry, call me Henry. None of this sire, none of this Prince Henry stuff. Just Henry. And they kiss, and it's so sweet. So Amboise, he asks her if she knows the ruins there, and she nods yes. It's like, well, sometimes I go there to be alone. Why don't you meet me there tomorrow? These adorable secret rendezvous. I love them. She says, I shall try. He says, then I shall wait all day. 
I love how she smiles and bites her bottom lip. It's so adorable. Like, ah! Like, the biggest bed ever. There is so much room in between the king and the queen in this bed. Henry could jump in there. It's, it's just, there's so much space. But their marriage is on the rocks anyway. So, <laughs> she's telling her husband, like, Francis, wake up. Our son has something to tell us. Like, clearly, because it's not every day that he comes rushing in there with a smile on his face and happy news to share. And he tells him, I want to build a university with the largest library in Europe where people of any station can study. <laughs> like, um, what? Great. Um, we're trying to sleep. <laughs> tell us tomorrow. <laughs> Francis is just like looking at his son like what who are you and what have you done with our son and he just smiles and like okay oh because it's um one of those beds that has the uh, curtains on it and he opens it again and says oh also I want to invite the gypsies to the ball <laughs> so speaking of a rude awakening here comes Rodmilla and um <laughs> uh with that Marguerite and uh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Um, Jacqueline. They're all like waking her up, like, "Are you ill?" And Danielle's, huh, "What? Yes, yes, I'm very ill." And then Ramil asks, "Where were you?" Danielle says, "I got lost." And Rodmilla, of course, doesn't believe her. Like, I don't believe you. You're hiding something from me. So what? You're hiding a lot from her. Like, the fact that you killed her father. And she says, I demand to know what it is. And Danielle is like, her eyes are closed. Like, oh, why don't you tell me so I can go back to sleep? And, of course, selfish, selfish Marguerite is like, what about our breakfast? I'm like, feed yourselves. You have hands. You're capable. Make your own food. Daniel even says, you have two hands. I'm sleeping. Go away. Self. Make it yourself. Oh my goodness. And of course, Marguerite calls her a lazy little leech. Excuse me. Why don't you point those little fingers, turn that finger around and aim it at yourself, girl. Seriously? Speaking of leeches, yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So now they're going to have Jacqueline go and boil some water. So now she's going to make breakfast. Ugh. My goodness. What? This poor girl. Between Danielle and Jacqueline just getting the short end of the stick on every possible thing. So Danielle's getting water. And is it Louise? That says, oh, mistress, you better get in here quick. Uh oh, what's going on? Now they're back to looking at her mother's things. What the heck? Ooh, this drives me nuts. Leave her mother's things alone. They don't belong to you. Yeah, she's like, what do you think you're doing? And Marguerite says, oh, trying on my dress. And then Rod Miller says, do you really think you if, that after this morning I let you go anywhere? Ugh. Ugh. And Danielle's got some words for her. She says, do you really think these games and intrigues are really going to win you the crown? Seriously? Yeah, I want to play this because Danielle's like, these are my mothers. 
These are her shoes and this is her dress. Which is supposed to be a wedding dress that I will wear one day. Yeah, I hope she lets her have it. All through. Well, not Jacqueline. Because she's not doing anything. I mean, I, just, I feel so bad for her. finally decided to grace us with her presence. What do you think you are doing? Trying on my dress. That's do you honestly think after that performance this morning I'd let you go anywhere? Do you honestly think these games, these intrigues are going to win you a crown? To hunt royalty like some sport? It's disgusting. You're just jealous. These are my mother's. Yes. And she's dead. You take that back. Yes! She punched her right in the face. I'm going to rip your hair out. Good. Do it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. She's got, Marguerite's got the book, the Utopia book that her dad gave. That Danielle's dad gave her. Don't throw it in the fire, please. Don't throw it in the fire. Get away from me, so help me go. Danielle, your father's book or your mother's shoes? Though neither will save you from a sound lashing. Grab the shoes. Redmilla was not kidding when she mentioned about the lashings. I mean, we see Daniel's back, and this just breaks my heart. That Marguerite threw their dad's book into the fire anyway. Oh my gosh. I feel so horrible for Daniel. I just, I feel so bad that she has to go through this. Jacqueline is how, oh my god, Jacqueline is such a sweetheart. Oh my god. This is making me cry. I just, I love Danielle. She is such a sweetheart. And Jacqueline, too. So, yeah, I mean, even though she is helping Danielle with the lashes on her back, um, she's also saying, like, you did kind of bring this on yourself, you know, first with breakfast and then, you know, kind of lashing out. and Although... <laughs> Jacqueline does say she really enjoyed seeing Marguerite's feet fly over her head when uh, Danielle punched her in the face. Well deserved. But no one deserves to be beaten like that. And Jacqueline says she should not have said that about your mother. No, she shouldn't have. And I hope that Rodmilla and Marguerite get the worst as far as what happens in the end. I really, really hope so. So, Marguerite is meeting with the queen, and she made up a lie about how she saved a baby from a runaway horse. 
And uh, yeah, because she's got kind of a black eye, it's more purple than anything else. And she says, oh, it was just a maternal instinct, your majesty. <laughs> so the queen says, I'm sorry, my son can't join us. He's away again. He was gone all day yesterday and he's not here today. And I wonder if Renmilla is putting two and two together about since Danielle was away and now the prince, like, he's probably wondering if they are actually meeting in secret. So the queen asks about Comtess, you know, basically asking about Nicole slash Danielle. Like, apparently she's staying with a cousin, but nobody seems to know who. Oh, and then, yeah, she got, has, like, as Rod Mill asks, Nicole de Lucre? Yep, uh, she knows who it is. Should have used another name, Danielle. And the queen's like, oh, I thought she was a ghost. And Rod Mill says, oh, no, she's been around for years. She's staying with us, as a matter of fact. Oh, the Cinderella thing coming up. Oh, because Marguerite was the one that called Danielle Cinderella. So now Marguerite is having a temper tantrum right in front of the queen because Danielle and Henry have been, you know, they're hanging out and they're like, now my chances of, uh, girl, you know who you're having a hissy fit in front of? The queen. You really think she's going to want you with her son? Yeah. Any chances you may have had are, they're gone now. Yeah, the way that the queen is looking at Marguerite, like she's not all there. <laughs> that like oh there was a bee uh-huh yeah right okay so the ruins of this place that he told Danielle to meet him because he's reading a book all right so he asks if she's all right and she says I'm afraid I'm not feeling myself today I'm sorry and, he, and Henry says I feel as if my skin is the only thing keeping me from going everywhere at once Meaning he is just, he's so happy, he's so excited to see her, just all these emotions going through his head. So, Danielle wants to come clean with him about who she actually is. So he kind of shows her around the ruins and says how this used to be, whether owned by his father or something, and he used to play there when he, um, Henry used to play there as a kid. I mean, the... It is definitely in ruins and, and crumbling and stuff, but there are still walls being held up and plants and vegetation growing inside the walls of this building. So she wants to break things off with him, and he's talking about he used to measure his life by the growth of the trees, you know, when he was young, and he's just saying how the trees continue to grow. It's almost like he's using the trees as a metaphor for his own life and how he still has room to grow and so much life to live and everything. And I, she looks like she's going to burst into tears here. She says, you're not making this easy. Where, you know, she wants to be honest with him. And she knows that, you know, it's going to be hard because he sees her as this Nicole person and not Danielle. So, and he, he tells her, you know, I have not slept for fear I would wake to find all this a dream. And he says, you know, I think I've found my purpose. It's a project actually inspired by you. Oh my gosh. Oh, guy. <laughs> so, yeah, she says, well, he actually tells her that he, at the mosque, the ball, he wants to announce it to everyone that he has found basically his future wife or his fiance now. 
And she just, she, they kiss, and she, she leaves like, I must go, I'm sorry. Oh my goodness, she is walking straight into a firing squad with her stepmother and stepsister. I don't include, um, I don't include Jacqueline in this at all. almost as absurd as a prince who spends his days with a servant who sleeps with pigs. What bothers you more, stepmother, that I am common or that I am competition? Where's yeah. the dress, Danielle? I don't know what you're talking about. The gown, the slippers, they were in my room this morning and now they're gone. You hid them, I know it. Where did you put the gown, Danielle? None of your business. It isn't yours anyway. Where are the candlesticks? And the tapestries and the silver, perhaps the dresses with them. You will produce that gown? I would <laughs> rather die a thousand deaths than to see my mother's dress on that spoiled, selfish cow! Yes! Say it, Danielle. She took the, you know, her mom's dress and slippers. They don't belong to Marguerite. And then she brings up the candlesticks and the tapestries and the silver and all that stuff, too. And she's like, yeah, I would rather die a thousand deaths than see my mother's dress and shoes on that selfish cow. Like, yeah, 100%. Oh, my gosh, Drew Barrymore's acting is amazing. This is screaming, yeah, I'm like, yes! So... <clears throat> of course, Rod Milla has Danielle locked up in her, her, if that's her room, I don't know, it's got metal doors on it, and then Rod Milla looks to the lady, uh, Louise and um, Paulette, and says, if you even think about opening that door, you're going to not be here, as in, you will not be in this, this house, and then Jacqueline says, Mother, please, it's only a ball. And then Rod Mill, again, making a fat joke about her daughter, saying, oh, and you're only going for the food. So, Henry's hearing something about someone's engaged. Oh, looks like Rod Mill made up the story about Danielle's slash Nicole being engaged to a quote-unquote Belgian and being on a boat sailing away. Like, no, 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 no. He was with her this afternoon. None of that's true. But that's just what Rod Milla told the queen. And she says Baroness Rod Milla was quite reluctant to talk about it. Yeah, I bet she was. So he's believing it's... Ugh. Seriously, guy? He's like, oh, she's patrol. She should have told me. And Henry's mother says, asks, would you have listened otherwise? Like, dude, come on. You're listening to somebody who is full of lies. She's just telling you a story. I mean, come on. 
Oh, it kind of dawns on him, like, oh, how could I have been so blind? There I was pouring my heart out to her, and she was simply trying to bid me farewell. Oh, the whole, I have to talk to you, I must go. He's thinking that she was lying the whole time just by saying that. It's like he's looking for clarification. Like, oh, that's what she was trying to, like, no, man, she wasn't. And... As Henry stalks off anger, of course he's angry. He feels like he's been lied to and cheated. She says, his mother says, any choice is better than Spain. Like, he, if he can't have Danielle slash Nicole, he doesn't want anyone. So, yeah. Is this Maurice? Maybe not. He's talking to Gustav and saying, hey, you needed to go and see the prince and tell him what happened. And Gustav's like, the prince will never see me. He'll never listen to me. And Maurice says, you are her friend, Gustav. Yeah, and Maurice says, the prince expects to see her. And Gustav says, I, I cannot. Besides, my master has me working tonight. Why do I get the impression that maybe Gustav this whole time has had a crush on Danielle? And maybe he's a little jealous of the fact that she's looking at the prince. And so Maurice says, then go to Da Vinci. Surely a, a painter can see another painter. I'm sure that would be fine. Maurice is like, come on, for once in your life, be bold, okay? I get it. Yes, Da Vinci is the greatest painter in the world. Doesn't mean you can't talk to him. Because he sees Rodmilla and Marguerite walking into the town square. Marketplace, whatever it's called. All right, it's the night of the ball. We see fireworks. And everyone dressed up. So, yeah, uh, they have poor Jacqueline being, having, like, a wicker, like, horse-shaped thing on her head. Like, come on. <sighs> so the ladies are going to the ball. So Paulette's trying to get the uh, lock off, and she's having trouble. Luckily, Gustav composed himself enough to get a hold of Da Vinci, and Da Vinci is there to get that lock off. Oh, there you go. Yeah, just take the things that are holding the door in place. Just take those out, and there you go. <laughs> simple, simple. And they're like, oh my god. Paulette and Louise are like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. You're a genius. And Da Vinci says, yes, I shall go down in history as the man who opened a door. So they all go in there, and like, yeah, they're like, Maurice, uh, Gustav said that, uh, or Maurice said that the prince is expecting you. And Danielle tells him, yeah, he's expecting someone who does not exist. Because he, she used her mother's name. Stop! Well, Maurice said the prince was expecting. You. <laughs> he is expecting someone who does not exist. Signore, my name is Danielle de Barbarac, and I am but a servant. Yes, and I am the bastard son of a peasant. What has that to do with anything? I have deceived him. The prince will understand. Come, child, the night is young. We must get you ready for the ball. Yeah. To go. Tough, you're going. The Baroness wins. Yeah, you don't want that. How can I face him? Because he deserves to hear the truth from the one he loves. Yes, he does. A bird may love a fish, signore, but where would they live? Then I shall have to make you wings. Oh, he's going to make the wings. Oh, come on, no time to waste. Louise, get the dress. Oh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, basically, like, it doesn't matter. 
Da Vinci said he was, you know, his parents weren't married when they had him, so who cares? Doesn't matter. And the prince isn't going to care. He loves you for you, for who you are on the inside. Your name doesn't matter. So what does Prince Henry have to say to his father? Because his father comes up and says, oh, you said you wanted to see me? Oh, boy. Is he going to call off this engagement? What's going to happen? Listen. Perhaps it was unfair of me to put so much pressure on you as I did about the marriage contract. I just thought it was time to make some changes in your life. You seem to me to be floundering. And, uh, well, I, I, I just wanted to say that this university thing is a brilliant idea. We don't have to announce anything tonight. I've made my decision. Oh. What is that decision? Father sending Daniel? Oh, she wore in her mother's dress, her mother's shoes. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <coughs> she looks like a masterpiece. She looks like her mother. Aww. Let us go and see these paintings of yours. Ah, when you're as old as I am, my young friend, now is all you've got. There you go. Wait! It's tradition! <coughs> she's waving! Oh! She's waving at the gate! She's like, her dad, what's going to do? Jacqueline and, um, one of Henry's guards? They both have the, like, the, the, the fancy, like, it's not wicker it's some other type of fabric with you know made like horse head thing it's like oh are they gonna fall in love oh <laughs> was like nay that's so cute he's eating a carrot and he's got a horse head on his head he does a good horse impression <laughs> friends on a guest tell me he's not bad it gives Same us great kinda. pleasure <laughs> on this festive occasion, not only to honor oh, there she is. Oh my God, she's gorgeous! <coughs> but also to tell you of a long-awaited decision. So, without further ado, breathe. Just breathe. It is my great privilege to announce the engagement of our son, Prince Henry. To there she is. before another word is spoken. Then you're not engaged? No. No, I'm not. I was about to make the worst mistake of my life. <laughs> Probably. Who is she? <laughs> my guess would be the Comtesse de Lancre. 
Oh, it's Dan. Her name's Danielle. Actually. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't worry about it, honey. <laughs> Come, there's someone I want you to be. Oh, I must speak with you. Whatever it is, my answer is yes. What? No, you're not. What in the world, Hagmila? Madam, contain yourself. She's an imposter, sir. No. Her name is Danielle de Barbrack, and she's been a servant in my home for the past ten years. So what? A servant, Henry? Is this some kind of joke? Baroness, you are on dangerous ground. Ask her yourself. She's a grasping. Devious little pretender, and it is my duty, your highness, to expose her as a covetous hoax she is. Tell these women who you are. Tell them. Why should it matter if she is a comtess or not? Bow before royalty, you insolent fraud. My god, it can't be true. Seriously, that's all you care about? It's Danielle. Nicole de Lancre was my mother. I am what she says. She matter. The apple. That was you. I can't explain. Well, someone had better. First. You're engaged. No, she wasn't. And now you're a servant? That doesn't matter. I've heard enough. Give me a break. Henry, please. Do not address me so informal, madam. I am a prince of France. You're a jerk. And you are just like them. she lied it's like she's still she may not be Nicole whatever that was her mother's name she's just Danielle and the fact that that guy can't see that why should it matter that she's a servant and the fact that Rod Mellon was like oh, I'm gonna make you a princess after all Marguerite is like no you're not no you're not it's just, oh my gosh, this absolutely destroys my heart. It's just, I, uh, I feel so bad for Danielle. She even called him Henry and he, and he turned on her and he's like, do not address me so informally or whatever. And she, and she runs off and she leaves. Because he's just angry having been deceived. Left that shoe. Daniel! 
What have you done? I have been born to privilege, and with that comes specific obligations. Oh, shit. You're out of line, old man. No, you were out of line. Have you any idea what that girl went through to get here tonight? She lied to me. She came to tell you the truth, and you fed her to the wolves. What do you know? You build flying machines and you walk on water, and yet you know nothing about life. <coughs> I know that a life without love is no life at all. A love without trust? What of that? She's your match, Henry. I am but a servant to my crown, and I have made my decision. I will not yield! Then be miserable for the rest of your life. Then you don't deserve her. No, he doesn't. Oh, he wants a shoe behind. It's starting to rain. So, yeah, Da Vinci tells Henry that it's like, do you have any idea what she went through to get here tonight? And the fact that all Henry's concerned about is the fact that she lied to him and that she's a servant and this and that. And I love how Da Vinci says, you know, you don't deserve her. And the fact that he says, you know, Prince Henry's all like, yeah. Like certain duties are um, specific and obligate, whatever, whatever. It's like, uh, and he's like, I stand by my choice and I made my choice. Like, yeah, you don't deserve her then. And Da Vinci, before he leaves, leaves Danielle's shoe. Poor Danielle is in the rain. That poor wing, because Rod Miller ripped the other one off, is just hanging there behind her oh my goodness such a downpour and she's sitting there getting drenched sitting on the steps of the little doorway there which isn't really much coverage for the rain <sighs> Rodmel, what are you doing there because danielle is how she's got a spade or a shovel and she's like digging holes or clearing rocks or whatever and the fact that Rodmel is like oh before you're despicable debut the prince was about to choose marguerite to be his bride you know that 100 percent. you know that for true i don't think so yeah and then he would have been miserable for the rest of his life i'm gonna play this are we gonna get the reveal that ramilla killed danielle's father i want to find out if that's the truth because there's not much left of this movie and i want her to admit it in your chores, what makes you think i do any of this for you let me pass. You've brought this on yourself, you know. I have work to do. Let the others handle it. Don't you understand? You've won! Go, move into your palace and leave us be! You are not my problem anymore. Is that what I am? Your problem?
I've ever known. Was there a time, even in its smallest measurement, that you loved me at all? How can anyone love pebbles in their shoes? <sighs> Danielle! What? What? My lady! Oh, come and see! What is it? Where did it go? Yeah, that's the thing. Danielle says the fact that she's like, why don't you just get out of here? You got what you wanted, right? Go move into the palace. Leave us all be. Me and the help and everything. They're a family. It's like, you got what you wanted, right? Just go move into the palace. Why are you still here? What are you still doing here? And she even tells her, like, you are the only mother I have ever known. Did you at all... In in all of these years that I've known you ever have an inkling of love for me and it just yeah and she calls Daniel a pebble in her shoe and just just breaks my heart the fact that Danielle this whole time has been you know her dad was gone when she was eight and she says you are the only mother I've ever known she didn't know her mother and I'm just like oh my gosh <sighs> And just, oh, it breaks my heart. It's like, that's why she was doing this. So that's why she was being so nice. Because that was that woman showed her no ounce of kindness, ever. Paulette comes out and says, Danielle, come and look. It's all back. Yeah, all the the tapestries, the paintings, the, the silver, the everything. Everything that disappeared is back. Where did it go? Oh, that oh, guy took so it. Right on top. It's all here, Baroness, right down to the very last <laughs> candlestick. Father's books, his paintings, you sold them to him? Yes, and now they're back. I couldn't very well have us looking like paupers when the king arrived. Thank you, monsieur. This means the world to us. I'm a businessman, Danielle, not a philanthropist. I don't understand. I couldn't very well have you around distracting the prince, now could I? The Baroness and I have come to uh, an arrangement. Yeah, she's not. For all this. What? Although I do think I'm getting better. Are better. you serious? You can't just up and sell her. Are you kidding me? What in the world? No. happened she was having it and then she got it all back from that Le Pew guy or whatever his name is in exchange for Danielle so basically she sold Danielle to get all of Danielle's father's stuff oh my gosh this breaks my heart again it just keeps breaking my heart and I hate this so Da Vinci is painting the picture of Danielle. Okay. So what is the deal here? So the whole thing with the Spain arrangement, the engagement thing, that's back on again? What? I'm confused. Apparently the girl from Spain does not want this either because she is just bawling her eyes out. Starts laughing at her. How old is this girl of France? She sounds like she's younger than he is. But he starts laughing like it's the funniest thing in the world. 
Like, you don't want this either, huh? <laughs> okay, we're not doing this. Not, yeah, her is that her father over there? He doesn't look happy about it either. He basically sends her, you know, gives her a kiss on the cheek and says, I don't want this either. So you go go to your daddy over there. <laughs> you clearly don't want this. Neither of you do. And Rodmilla and Marguerite are hugging because, oh great, now he's open to be re-engaged to someone else or something. Okay, wait a minute. I don't think that's her dad. I think, is that the guy that she wants to marry? Because she's kissing him all over the face. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if that's her dad or her boyfriend or what. Oh, her parents are up there on, uh, okay, right. The pair, the girl's parents are arguing. Okay, so the guy that she was kissing was her boyfriend? I don't know. And I love how both Francis and uh, the queen agree. Like, oh yeah, and I, we thought we had problems because... The girl, her parent, from France, her parent, or Spain, I'm sorry, are just, uh, yelling, arguing. <laughs> a sweet moment between the king and the queen there. Like, hey, we saw wind problems. Woo! So cute. I'm going to play this. <laughs> they laugh. It's so funny. <laughs> so he's looking for Danielle. So, yeah, Maurice tells Henry that Danielle's been sold to Lee Pierre, whatever. Just, and Marguerite, uh, Jefflin comes up and says, yeah, just after the mosque, after that whole fiasco. Oh, boy. So, Prince Henry says to them, Jefflin and Maurice and them, like, tell no one we have spoken, for all shall reveal itself in due course. Laurent, okay, yep, yep, yep. Well, I hope Laurent and Jacqueline get together, because they're so cute. Oh, yeah, this Pierre guy is using Danielle as a servant. Well, he's got her legs chained because she ran away the last Jeez. And she says, I have no reason to stay. And he says, you belong to me now. And she tells him, I belong to no one. Least of all you. She emphasizes. And he says, oh, I wish you'd reconsider my offer. And she says, I'd rather rot. And he starts telling her about, oh, I had a horse like you once, a magnificent creature. Saying how, oh, the horse was stubborn and willful to a fault. And he says, as he's running his fingers through her hair, says, oh, it just needed to be broken. <sighs> I hope that guy gets arrested and put in a jail cell or where whatever they did with her back then she's telling me you will maintain your distance sir because he's now he's smelling her hair this is so gross oh and she's got the she's got his sword like aimed right at his throat and he says i could hang you for this and she says not if you're dead good she cuts him he tries to lean in to kiss her and she like whoop, like with that sword She's got two swords at him. And she learned a thing or two from her father. She was my father was an expert swordsman, monsieur. Monsieur. She says, he taught me well. And she says, now hand me that key or I swear on his grave I will slit you. From navel to nose. She comes out. Oh, she's freed. Thank goodness. And Prince Henry sees her. Let's see how this goes down. She's so happy to be free. <laughs> Probably wondering, like, why is he here? Or, uh... Hello? Hello. 
sorry, you gonna say? <coughs> what are you doing here? I am. Um, came to rescue you. Well, she rescued herself. Rescue you me. <coughs> A commoner. Actually, I came to beg your forgiveness. I offered you the world, and at the first test of honor, I betrayed your trust. Please, Danielle. Say it again. I'm sorry. No. The part where you said my name. Danielle. Perhaps you would be so kind as to help me find the owner of this rather remarkable shoe. That's hers. Where did you find that? She is my match in every way. Please tell me I haven't lost her. It belongs to a peasant, your highness, who only pretended to be a courtier to save a man's life. Yes, I know. And the name's Henry, if you don't mind. <coughs> well, is he gonna put the shoe on her back? No, she's already wearing shoes. I kneel before you, not as a prince, but as a man in love. But I would feel like a king. You, Daniel the Barbarat, would be my wife. Yes, say yes. So he says, you know, he came to rescue her. I'm thinking she kind of already did that. <laughs> so she asks him, like, what are you doing here? Even though he, already, you know, I came to rescue you and everything. And she's still just seeing herself as a peasant. Like, why would you want anything to do with me? So he does pull out the shoe in this, like, is this yours? This is, you know, yeah. And the fact that she even, yeah, and he does put it on her foot and says, you know, I am just a man in, in, in love that's just not Prince Henry, not, you know, just call me Henry. And it's just, oh, just, it's so sweet. And he asked her to marry him and I'm just crying and it's beautiful. And she even says that she dresses as a courtier so that way she could rescue a man, you know, she could rescue Maurice. And oh, they're just they're kissing and spinning, and it's just it's so happy, you know. I love it so much. So of course, they want to know since Jacqueline spoke with the prince. So how was I supposed to know that he was coming out the side door? And of course, yeah, I heard the prince talk to you. What did he say? I'm like, like none of your business. Seriously, Marguerite, you don't deserve to know. He's never going to marry you. And she's like, oh, I, I, I can't be sure. I love how she's just like, I ain't telling you none. 
It all happens so quickly, I can't be sure. And he said, yeah, uh, Jacqueline says, oh, I think he said it serves me right for choosing a foreigner over your sister. <laughs> uh, she's just telling them what they want to hear. The biggest soup bowls I have ever seen, if that's even what that is. All right, let's find out what's going to happen. I hope they get uh, sent away to a dungeon somewhere. Well, not Jacqueline, but Marguerite and Rodmilla. Your Majesty King Francis requests an audience with <coughs> the Baroness Rodmilla de Ghent and her daughters immediately. Is anything wrong? No, my lady. The King demanded that you arrive in style. Hmm. In style, I should be. Yeah, she's uh, yeah, like she knows. <laughs> oh yeah, let's see what's gonna happen. Baroness, <laughs> did you or did you not lie to Her Majesty the Queen of France? Choose your words wisely, madame. Yeah. For they may be your last. Yes, I hope so. <coughs> According to you. <laughs> you are forthwith stripped of your title. And you and your horrible daughter are to be shipped to the Americas on the first available boat. Yes! Unless by some miracle someone here will speak for you. Nope. Nobody. Don't look at Jacqueline. She ain't gonna speak for you. Send them to the Americas. <coughs> Was she seriously not going to admit she poisoned her husband? <laughs> there seem to be quite a few people out of town. Nobody's going to speak for I will for speak for her. <coughs> There's Danielle. <coughs> oh, she looks She is, after all, my <coughs> stepmother. Admit that you poisoned my father. <laughs> Good. Bow down to Danielle. Marguerite. I don't believe you've met my wife. Yes! <laughs> You, I am quite certain, will think about me every single day for the rest of your life. 
All I ask, Your Majesty, is that you show her the same courtesy that she has bestowed upon me. Which is none. <coughs> Make her a servant, yeah, definitely. called upon the king and queen and the king says did you not lie to my, my uh, wife did, the queen here did you not lie to her about and blah, 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 blah. yeah of course yeah she's been found out and they're um, Marguerite and Rod Miller were gonna be shipped off to the Americas but yo they're like hey if someone here can save you by speaking up for you and Rod Miller's like oh apparently out of town. Nobody's speaking for you. So Danielle comes up. She's dressed in a crown. She's gorgeous. She says, yeah, just um, give my stepmother the same treatment that she gave me for my many, many years. So yeah, you're going to make her a servant. Exactly. And I love how Prince Henry introduces Danielle Mar to Marguerite. He's like, oh, Marguerite, I see. Have you not met my wife? And we said, yep. <laughs> and it's just funny. And then, of course, <laughs> yep, Rob Miller and Marguerite are servants. <laughs> and I love seeing them get bossed around. It's hilarious. And Da Vinci has finished the picture of Danielle, and it is beautiful. Oh, I love Laura. And, um, Jack willing to get I hope they get married. <laughs> Leonardo, it's wonderful. Think of it as a belated wedding present, Your Highness. <laughs> what? I just can't get over it, that's all. Your Highness. <laughs> no, yes, well, stop. royalty or not, I can still whip you. Oh, I bet you could. <laughs> I must say, Leonardo, for a man of your Talents, it, um, <coughs> doesn't look a thing like her. You are supposed to be charming. And we, princess, are supposed to live happily ever after. Says who? <coughs> Do you know? I don't know. Aww. <coughs> That's a picture, alright. Gorgeous. My great great grandmother's portrait hung <gasps> in the university up until the revolution. By then, the troops of the Romans <coughs> had been reduced to a simple fairy tale. Okay. And while Cinderella and her prince did live happily ever after, the point, gentlemen, is that they lived. 
right, yeah, so he shows her the painting, and of course, Prince Henry's like, oh, it doesn't look anything like her. And Danielle says, you're supposed to be charming. What are you doing? <laughs> and of course, Gustav's there. And I love how Danielle's like, you know, I can still whip you. You know, <laughs> like she's like in the beginning of the movie. And of course, Prince Henry says, you know, we're supposed to live happily ever after. And she says, yeah, who says that? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> and they kiss, and it's adorable. Turns out the lady at the beginning of the movie, I don't know why I would have thought she was Danielle. <laughs> no, she is Danielle's great-great-granddaughter. Like, oh my goodness, that is awesome. I wonder how many kids they had. <laughs> it's so cute. So, yeah, that's the movie. Oh, I love this movie. It was so sweet. Oh, just so many new scenes. This term. And no, Rob Miller did not. Of course, she wasn't going to admit that she poisoned. I still go on record saying she did. She poisoned her husband. She poisoned the previous two husbands. I, I can imagine because she probably did have two more husbands than those two girls with her. Yeah, I bet anything. I just hated the fat shaming of... Jacqueline, I just, oh, I hated it so much. All right, so let's take a moment and see. When did this movie come out? When was it released? July 31st, 1998. And box office was $26 million. Opening weekend, only $8 million. Grossed $65 million, And then worldwide, $98 million. All right, cool, cool. Let's look at the trivia. Drew Barrymore has stated that this is one of her favorite, uh, one of her, the, is the, <laughs> has stated that this is the favorite of all her films. Okay. As depicted in the film, the real Leonardo da Vinci kept the Mona Lisa with him all the time unto his death. Let's see. At one point, Queen Marie tells Henry to choose wise, a wife wisely because divorce is only something they can do in England. This is obviously a reference to Henry VIII of England, who caused a huge scandal when he divorced Catherine of Aragon to marry Anne Boleyn in the early 16th century. When Danielle is swimming in the lake, she is using the inverted breaststroke. It was popular in medieval and renaissance Europe and is still commonly taught as a survival stroke. In Australia, it is called the survival stroke, or survival backstroke. One of the few adaptions that depicts one member of the stepfamily as being sympathetic to Cinderella or Danielle in this film. In this version, Jacqueline is rather friendly with Danielle compared to her more abusive sister and mother. Alright everybody, that was the movie. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this movie. And again, I want to wish podcast listener Nicole a happy birthday again. I hope you have a great day. I hope you really enjoy this review. If you guys want to email the podcast, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet and you'd like to, go on iTunes, search the Wonder Years podcast. The Looking Back at My Wonder Years podcast will pop up. And just Click on leave a review and leave a review. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.